Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> scooped. You got scooped. Scooped by Pip. Do continue. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Creighton Crowbar. This is episode number 512 on the 4th of January 1986. <laughs> I am your host, Philip War, and joining me today is Chris Thurston. I haven't been born yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's upsetting. In that case, it'll just be me and the others then. <laughs> I am one years old. I am Tom Senior. I'm one. <laughs> and Alex Wiltshire. Ciao, Michis. <laughs> How old are you at this point? Well, it's 1986. Yeah. 11. Oh, brilliant. Mm. Yep, 11 plus. Finally, we've got some <laughs> I can speak in everything. Mature opinions on the podcast, <laughs> finally. <laughs> Fuck off. Mario's well better. <laughs> Mario's more, more crucial than Sonic. In fact, Sonic hadn't been invented. Or Mario... Oh, no, Mario had. Tetris. Hang on. Uh, Spectrums are better? No. Amigas are better? These Just are dark Going days. through the list. Your hot takes are uh, <laughs> coming thick and fast. And slightly, you know, <laughs> non-committally. <laughs> Shall we figure some news from the future? This has gone weird. Sorry, I yes. didn't know what day it was. No, let's live with this. Let's live with this facade we've created. <laughs> it was all just we've made a hole. Chris, really. It's where we live now. Yeah. Who now doesn't exist? It's a Sorry. high concept episode, everybody. It's <laughs> always going to happen. Oh god! In the future, I feel like I see numbers, much in the way of Nostradamus. Blops is not a number, but you know, four is. Blops four. Blops four. Yeah. What Shall is a we... blop four? Well, I don't know because uh, none of the preceding blops has it exists yet. <laughs> Second World War has happened, so oh, that's notionally, true. yeah, there we are can blops. do this. Oh, we hang can, on, we a can blops piece never, this never. Together. Oh no, but the Vietnam War has happened, so okay, that is that is a blops. Well, yeah, and the other two blopses took place in people's heads, didn't they? So it's... and heads exist in 1980. Exactly, <laughs> imaginations. We had more imaginations back then, so in a way, we had to because most of us were playing with wooden toys at that point. Exactly, especially you. <laughs> the wooden snares is your favourite. <laughs> I think I was probably consoles. chewing my wrists. <laughs> figuring out what teeth are he wasn't even given <laughs> a rusk <laughs> I was an idea <laughs> just a <laughs> concept like blobs <laughs> and four so really you're the person who's ideal to speak on yeah. tell us about blobs four <laughs> okay <laughs> unborn voice well, tell us about college this is how I sounded um, okay <laughs> echoing forwards from the past into the future like a Metal Gear character um, so they announced Call of Duty Black Ops 4, didn't they? That's our video game news or one of them. Well, they announced it via a hat a few months ago, didn't they? Mm. And yes. Then they, they announced it via actual announcements mm. to this week. They announced week. the most. So, um, I only really caught up on this today. I've been, uh, I've been away a bit, which is one of the reasons we didn't have an episode last week. Sorry about that. Uh, but I, I did decide to just watch all of the, the trailers and things today so that we i'd know what i was talking about when it came to talking about <laughs> the blops four um, it turned out accuracy it, was not really ever going was, to be this podcast strong <laughs> indeed what a fool um <laughs> but actually i came away from it uh fundamentally not understanding almost anything about what had happened but you know what a battle royale is i do know what a battle royale is but i feel like i can almost we almost so that trailer of so there are five or six trailers so confusing so and they they, should have done four. they depict uh the game call of duty black ops for a, a a shooter 
for computers and game consoles where one runs in a circle and shoots the most recent person to spawn in the back and then are shot in turn by the person who is behind them. And this happens forever, <laughs> generating infinite money. Um, that's the fundamental thing. There's uh, a man with a beard. He looks like a, a like he uh, looks like he'd sell you an IPA on a stone baked pizza. A grizzled man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, he uh, has uh, guns and gadgets. There are grenades that make lasers, and then the lasers touch a man, and the man explodes. There's a, a big drill that sets people on fire. I think drill. helicopters. A drone. It's sort of the black ops of the future, but no more jetpacks, sort of so thing. They're still in the future. Sort they've of. They've mined they, all the war. They've, they, they've been turning this dial. Call of Duty. There's this dial for it's Call of Duty. Called. They have, yeah, but it goes from like. Oh, oh, in space, that's too much gadgets. Too no much, one liked that. Too much Turn future. it back down again. Turn down the future. <laughs> yeah, oh. Back to 2000 and... The correct amount of future what? is basically the exact amount of future that is in Rainbow Six Siege, but with more, like, cut-off tops and cool tats. <laughs> um, so that's that trailer, and that's sort of interesting in that it shows the game. How mm. many boots on the ground are we thinking about for this one? I think it's anywhere between... So, presuming every player... Well, mm, this is an interesting question, Alex, because let's say it's <laughs> uh, like a 16-player COD mode like it would normally be. You'd think that's 32 boots. However, they are <laughs> always running very fast. So how many boots are touching the ground at They might not time? ever touch the ground. <laughs> well, they ha well, I would say that in moving slightly further towards the present from the future than what they were doing in space <laughs> the boots are more readily on the ground than they were previously does that like, make sense you should you know that gravity. chris is pointing yeah. up at the sky and then pointing down at the ground <laughs> to illustrate that for us because they're not moon boots basically no they're not getting they're not moon okay. boots cool um yes i don't know are they that is one of my favorite <laughs> phrases though boots on the ground because it it, it it is one of the lo most meaningless mm. It's phrases a, yeah. that to game apply, developers say yeah to apply to a series where you look down you don't even have legs i've forgotten what it's meant to mean is it meant to mean that it's kind of practical war, I think it's, it's or like is you, it in the field like you know you, it, it, i think boots on the ground is just means that you are in action right so you're playing a game so mm. you're, well, you're I mean, doing the game isn't it military parlance anyway so that's like where they've tried to i like, think infantry so. combat isn't it it's yeah. the fact that you're actually being you know, like you're touching ground in enemy physically in the... but sometimes you're a helicopter and sometimes you're fighting <laughs> drones sometimes yeah sometimes you've just air. called in an unarmed aerial vehicle for a strike yeah. because you've got that combo in your running around thing mm. so that that trailer was like that's quite i kind of understand that Right, like that sort of establishes what the game is. It's, it uses a lot of actual gameplay. Uh, it's very, you know, polished and makes it look sort of dramatic, but there was actually a kind of, ah, oh, I can't understand this. This is Call of Duty and there's no single player this time or no campaign in the traditional sense. So fine. Then the other trailer, which is more like the hype trailer for the game, I guess, is, is one where like there's like, I can't remember if I can't, I can't remember now if the trailer had a gravelly man talking over it. Because there were the big words in the font, what well, the font expresses the voice of a gravelly man. So I can't tell if I read it or heard it. Like some kind of like sense memory disaster. But anyway, that one is quite brave for Call of Duty because it seems to frame the theme of Black Ops 4 as a kind of anti-establishment, anti-big data, very sort of contemporary, um, sort of like act of rebellion 
where the idea is that like um the world is always just treating you as a number if you're in the army if you're a number but there's a flash montage of people clicking accept on various end user license agreements and i'm not joking that's the best because you will definitely be clicking i know <laughs> because this thing is going out through fucking battle net <laughs> like um and and so it's like you you know you're just a number in the machine until you choose not to be don't play yeah this is a really high concept gdpr email <laughs> from activision to are you, you fighting for the gdpr no because at the end like at the end like so i think they've they've done like a class system for the new you one you are the gdpr yeah, god damn that's isn't that don't they fight it the brother police recon <laughs> that, no, I think that isn't that the people that fight the Brotherhood of Nod. <laughs> G- yeah. yeah. Global Defense. Global Defense Police Recon. GDI, GDI. It is GDI, yeah. You knew that I did know that. I was doing a bit. So, in that one, because I think it's got a class system now and the classes of characters, because Rainbow Six did that. And. It does this kind of like, but if you choose to become a team, you can start a war. As if that's like a good outcome. For, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like it's like basically. Who are you fighting? Yeah, it's kind of like no, no. We Numbers. need a support because war. And you're just like, what? Mm. No, that's uh, uh? yeah. We're not going to sign this end user license agreement. We are going to pick up a riot shield or a dog or a sniper rifle or some grenades. Those are the gadgets that I saw. Um, and we're going to fight for something and then score lots of kills which means that your opponents definitely do become numbers no matter what happens yeah but you're not a number you're not a number but you can prestige like 400 times or something my favorite Um, thing is that you know with that you do become a a sort of a really fancy sofa because the prestige armor just always mm. looks like something that fell off i don't know liberace's couch cushions you know mm. <laughs> like there was there was that amazing one i think i put it in in work chat mm. uh it's that purple like filigreed one from um advanced warfare which is like my favorite thing because it's this rich purple that makes you look like i don't know like a heating grate in a cathedral crossed with like your nana's sofa <laughs> and it's just the best thing and it's like this is aspirational i guess maybe <laughs> it's hard to get therefore it's worthwhile yeah and you're just um, like mm. <laughs> so from there everyone's watched these trailers right like no. okay i want to no. take you on this i'm enjoying okay. this through you. you uh they all sort of smeared into one okay nonsense but i want to take you then on the next part of this journey because we've established this at least we have this sort of like um like uh army surplus hipster kind of thing this sort of vaguely anti-establishment from within the establishment sort of thing. Um, and I don't even want to talk about Battle Royale yet because that exists over, in, over somewhere else. Because then, then we have a trailer that begins in a cavern of some kind, like a kind of mystical temple ruin. Um, and there are, there are four people sat there, an old man, a kind of explorer, a big burly kind of heavyweight brute, looks very twenties themed <gasps> and a lady with a bandana and they, they inhale some vapors at which point they're swept back in time and the man wakes up in the body of a gladiator. And if this sounds like a dream, well, you fell, you fell asleep during the Call of Duty announcement. Anyway, these gladiators uh, that are sort of Celtic, but maybe they're in ancient Rome or Egypt in a sort of some generic kind of it's ancient place. Ancient looking. Yeah, walk out into a coliseum where a bad wizard 
um, puts a scarab beetle into a huge like wheel of fortune disc thing that explodes and then zombies are there and I they have he to, might be a priest and they have to i guess a priest or a, it depends exactly i mean i, I <laughs> a sorcerer perhaps what the class <laughs> yeah, was he yeah. <laughs> probably a warlock if, mm. if, if um fair enough like uh, i guess a warlock um and then they fight zombies with swords and you're like okay well that's this in this isn't it? It's a step on from Nazis. It, it, yeah. Most things are. Yeah. And then, well, let's cut away from this straight away. Why not? We're on the Titanic now. <laughs> <laughs> and those same people are now narrating a kind of heist movie. And then they do a heist, but in the, guess what's in the vault? It's, it's the key to the, the scarab gong. And oh no, the old man's back, but he's, 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 you're, you're describing time, time splitters. splitters four. Or yes, something, I am. And then they all fight zombies on the Titanic and it ends with this shot of them back to back fighting zombies. Like, well, we're beating the zombies. What could possibly go wrong when shit you not? A big iceberg looms up behind <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the ultimate zombie. Yeah, exactly. Shoot it at a weak point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then it goes like, Call of Duty 4. And then the man with a beard from the other game that they made is back. <laughs> Just like as a logo. It's so weird. And I, I kind of get that this is all going to make me sound super out of touch with what the kids are into. <laughs> with the Fortnite and whatnot. But it, but Fortnite is positively simple and, and focused in mm. comparison. I feel like it's it's really... Well, it's in- like they had the decency to spin their two things <clears throat> into two separate games. This is Zombies yeah. is clearly a separate game at this point. You yeah, know? it's not. Mm. It, feels like, it feels like Call of Duty is coming out, not with, like... And this is maybe the right approach, because Call of Duty reinvents itself all the time while without reinventing itself, if that makes sense. It's like, it's in space now, but it's Call of Duty. It's, it's in the future, but it's Call of Duty. It's in Vietnam, but it's Call of Duty. And like, that's fine. And it feels like this one is like, let's just do every individual other game people like at the same time. So we're going to do Rainbow Six Siege. This, this year, the thing to do is Siege plus left, or, or, like left for dead, but even like a bit of vermintide with the kind of like gladiators mm. fighting zombies oh, with quite, swords quite and, swarmy. yeah, swords and shields oh. and things like, um, plus whatever else, plus obviously PUBG and Fortnite. And that's Call of Duty this year. Like it's sort of like this, very moneyed um, selection box of and references to big data. Y- yeah, yeah. <laughs> it felt like a, th- that. That to me it's came like, under the, the zeitgeist. <laughs> that, Catch it. That to me came under the sort of um, the Rainbow Six side of it, just because like it had a little bit of that Ubisoft topicality, where it's yeah. like they're trying to be anti-establishment, but from within that structure and it always comes off slightly ringing a little mm. bit false despite the good intentions of the writer involved if that makes sense yeah it's always like it's quite hard for that to be the message of watchdogs for example or the division you know it's just a, it's just a little blobs that wants to be loved and it will do and show you anything just <laughs> yeah, yeah. just for the merest glimmer of attention and uh, and that makes me want to go and do the truffle shuffle blobs. Go and do the truffle fluffle. <laughs> truffle fluffle. <laughs> what do you? What just happened to Alex? <laughs> Alex it's a Goonies just... reference, is it not? Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. Oh, I see. Yeah, right. So I just heard of, Are you telling point. me that you don't know what? No, the I do. I get it. Yeah, I did I do it in a southwest accent, which probably did throw you off a little bit. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I thought you were being your younger self, referencing the Goonies. I'd have done it in a Suffolk accent. Oh. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just thought you were trying to see how these pop shields would handle the ultimate plosive. <laughs> <laughs> Truffle isn't a plosive, is it? 
Must be. No, it is when Alex pronounces um, it like that. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. But like, yeah, I get your point. It's it's just such a weird thing that something can have such a consistent sense of sort of. Uh, and I hate myself for saying this, but like seven out of ten Call of Duty-ness when it's sort of, it backflips in so many different directions all the time. It's really interesting that it does still seem to have that core identity even amongst all of these, you know, different things. And I'm not saying that in a in a kind of derogatory way. It, well, um, <laughs> well, no, but like, you know, because I think it's perfectly it's kind of accepting to enjoy, what it is. Yeah. yeah, to enjoy the game um, for mm. what it is. But like, it's it's interesting to sort of see see that kernel of it persist even when it's like we're doing these things now mm. i think it's ultimately like they've realized you can put literally fucking anything around a game where you press you hold on a mouse button or the left trigger to snap to red dot site on your mp5 and you press the other gun and it goes yeah, yeah that's really it's nice a, a lovely <laughs> little chugger yeah. yeah it's yeah. almost like no one can no one's brave enough to even tweak that or mess with it at all it's like that always has to be the very core of the game yeah they have to, to move really smoothly it's 60 frames and that's mm. it that's right and it's got to be basically you sit on the couch after the pub and just shoot some dudes for 10 minutes and who who the fuck knows, cares what it's all dressed up as as long as you get to do it's but this is the first thing. one like this is the first kind of post plunk bat really yeah. like last year it, they couldn't possibly have responded to to battle royale mm. in a meaningful way and this one must be the product of a lot of oh shit yeah for sure yeah, and, and so that maybe brings us to the final trailer, which is just a sort of 2D wireframe of a mode they haven't really shown. <laughs> Quickly, uh, make a big level yeah. <laughs> and increase the player count. Yeah. Um, and they've got some nice ideas. Like, I like the idea that the big level is made up of, like, the towns and things in it are other COD maps. So it's going to be like, you'll go to Nuketown. Oh, like, cool. So, like, classic COD maps will populate mm, the mega nice. map, which is a nice idea, yeah. genuinely a nice idea. Mm. And all of that, like, really tight, gun stuff that COD's always done yeah. is a good fit yeah. for that sort of mode. And like, you know, I don't, I don't have a problem with it per se, but it's sort of weird that it's like, it's almost the least weird thing. It's like the most expected thing. Like I've been making jokes about this being the thing they're doing for months. Um, and actually, so as of the time, literally the minutes that we're recording this battlefield new one is going to be announced in exactly 18 minutes at the mm. time that we're recording this. So by the time this goes out, we'll know if that has a battle royale mode spoilers. It almost certainly <laughs> yeah, will. <for> sure. <laughs> so, but that one, and if, if it's sort of like COD for me completely gets away with being a really standard battle royale mode, mm. whereas battlefield one, but battlefield has to, be a lot for me i'd be surprised and i'd be disappointed if it wasn't a lot more ambitious because because battlefield already had you know large scale encounters yeah filled with loads and loads of law rules going on you know like mm. pushes of fronts and whatnot if it doesn't incorporate something of that it, it almost has more on top of it than call of duty yeah well. oh, then they've announced that the call of duty one which is called blackout will have like vehicles and aircraft and stuff in it. Yeah. Aircraft being the relatively new thing for that genre. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd be amazed if Battlefield wasn't just a real big map. Yeah. Like a big Wake Island, if you will. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm struggling a little bit to summon excitement because I just don't really imagine myself playing anything. Isn't it odd that uh, this is, you know, this is the first year where like the shooter genre has been meaningfully mis mixed up with new ideas. Yeah. 
and we're still kind of going uh, yeah mostly because the excitement's already passed about the new ideas or it's mm. like always ongoing in other places mm. i think yeah that's interesting because it is exciting to see big shooter developers try and adapt to chase plunk bag and, and specifically Fortnite. um at the same time I feel like if you play one of those games, there's got to be a really, really good reason why you'd pay mm. to go. 60 pounds. Yeah. I, I suppose it depends. A lot, dep- I mean, this will be the, this is the most boring answer, but a lot for the fate of these games, a lot in terms of their mindshare, and particularly where the mindshare needs to be, a lot depends on what streamers and YouTubers do, either sponsored or not, because I suspect one of the, one of the, the rise of the sort of battle royale genre wasn't just an oh shit moment for Activision and EA because these games are super popular and they haven't capitalized on it yet. It's an oh shit moment because half of their YouTubers and streamers, people who would be like dedicated COD YouTubers, moved, yeah. jumped ship. And also, they're, you know, they're, a lot of their hits being provided by the kids who are playing Fortnite. Yeah. And therefore, when, you know, Call of Duty will still come with that 15 or is it 18 or 15? It will come with that age rating, mm. which was busted through by a lot of kids, but then... They don't have to. Yeah, Fortnite is just there on your computer or PlayStation. For free. Yeah, whereas Call of Duty is a mom sort of decision. Yeah. Yeah, it's tricky and it's interesting. Nice to see it being shaken up. Like, it could be that this is finally the thing that kind of... It could be that one odd offering this game is just from its kind of initial pitch is the sign that it's sort of fragmenting a bit in the face of a changing audience, right? Like, that audience doesn't just want... um you know, it's not enough to say, oh, it's Call of Duty again, but it's this war, right? It has to be sort of everything to all people now, which yeah. is... Maybe they think that, because um, Black Ops has always been the sort of the, the slightly weirder one, hasn't mm. it? And the slightly more experimental one. So maybe it's the one where they feel safer in ditching the main campaign, right? It's or funny the, though, because I always uh, thought Blocks was quite like... the most story-driven. It's the ones that I remember the story most. The numbers. Yeah, maybe. But like, I, I, I wonder whether maybe, because conceptually it has done some weird things, right? Mm. So maybe mm. it's the one where they think that maybe the people who are fans specifically of that bit of the franchise will not kick off in the same way. And so it's where they can experiment with some of these things and track what happens and see what people respond Mm. to and whether you know Mm. i don't know maybe they're just looking to see okay is it worth finally spinning zombies off to be the thing that treyarch do or Mm. you know i i don't know whatever um you know i mean as a as a full like that's the main meat of the game or something yeah um but also i was kind of interested because um putting it on battle.net that because obviously overwatch is phenomenally successful so maybe it's like okay we're not doing as well in the sort of you know stores or you know people who have habitually bought blobs year after year maybe are finally not Mm. doing that Mm. so perhaps putting it on a storefront where people go every day to play overwatch is yeah you know a a sensible thing to do on that front like it's kind of an interesting business Mm. like it could also yeah i mean and it also gets them out of um steams yeah Mm. 70 percent. they're obviously happy with their actually they're obviously happy with destiny 2 being on battlenet and they must Mm. have pre-existing agreements relationships that perhaps just like carry over to a cold game yeah 
Interesting. Mm-hmm. I imagine we'll find out more at Electro- Electric 3. Mm. Yeah, I'm wondering whether they'll have a more... It'll be... People will play out. it, I think. Yeah. Uh, they might be yeah. saving the full Battle Royale reveal for That's them. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like a more fleshed out, like, Battle Royale trailer or something. Mm. At least... What else has been happening, Christoph? The other thing that was announced is uh, Rage 2. Imagine. Avalanche. Being me about Avalanche, you made Mad Max. And Just and Cause. Just Justinian Cause. And there's actually a rumour that they're working on New Just Cause as well, so that's kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, so, I, you know, I, I, Bethesda doing a Bethesda thing and... So I'm going to sequel out of the ether of a game that I don't know if anyone was really waiting for a follow-up to. Really? No. Um, but it was all right, Rage. Um, yeah. So and I know Tom can speak to that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we st- like so Rage Two. I didn't. I didn't get. A, I didn't get. It didn't give me the um, the ooh. It's so it really looks like Bethesda's Far Cry. That was my kind of take from the trailer. Yeah. The reveal was like, okay, it's you know. It went Doing on a bit of world. a journey that week, though, because there was the sort of the teaser for the trailer, which looked, you know, not to make any bones about it, lame as. It just looked like it was trying far too hard and would just be excruciating. And then the trailer hit and it was like, oh, that lo- why didn't you, <laughs> why didn't you say it was an okay, like, looking prospect, right? Yeah, there's a kind of quite embarrassing live action, yeah. just cutting between loads of kind of waste, zany wastelander lander archetypes that you've seen in borderlands done better actually <laughs> yeah uh, and, and with the rumor that there's going to be a new borderlands announced at e3 that's it's a weird uh, time for yeah. this <laughs> entire genre I think, wasn't it like an andrew wk song like playing in the background and it was kind of like and that's it just felt so kind of it was doing all of the energy <laughs> at you in your sort of chasm of silence <laughs> <laughs> it was very hello fellow kids uh, as well and or like pause for applause and so that was sad everyone was sad it's like because everyone's wondering why we need a sequel to rage anyway really because it was eight years ago it was released roughly and it was eight years uh i think it was 2010 i thought it was i think it was later than that i I don't know actually because i was living in london i think because um i appreciate that doesn't narrow it down but i remember because we were talking about this i saw all the advertising on the tube and then no one i knew played it I, I went to the reveal event at Id's office way, think, way, way back. I might have reviewed it, which case it, it wouldn't couldn't be ten, have wouldn't been be eight. eight. It might be six. Mm. Tom is Googling it very <laughs> quickly. I'm just really curious because... Um, Speak slower, everyone. Let's not leave dead air. But it's like it's it's interesting, regardless though, because uh, the uh, obviously all of the teasing that they did just felt so excruciating. Like I say, it had this mm. like this. I mean, on their pink. side, it was never it was never intended to. Well, well, I but don't then know. Then all the tweets and things yeah, of true. like pink like stuff all over. I don't know Big Ben or what. I can't remember. Yeah. But you know, there was it the just motif, felt the pink really motif. sort of. Um, I guess anarchy by committee or something <laughs> and then the actual trailer itself ended up just looking oh that might be fun or yeah. you know yeah yeah. it was it was kinetic and stuff yeah yeah like a game yeah <laughs> <laughs> the first one came out in 2011 2011 yep. October 2011 so the same time as Skyrim which is tough yeah like, a tough crowd to enter mm. 
Mm. Uh, so, and it kind of sank without a trace, as Pip said. Like, uh, it came out, had loads of technical problems on PC, at least. Like, with the, it was a, a big kind of tech showcase for id tech. And it had all these terrible sort of texture popping yeah. problems. Where on you, console, it was pretty, it was rough as hell. Right, well. it was bad as well. Uh, so you turn around and then it, it would take a few seconds for all the textures to actually load in. And once it did, it was like really some nice art direction, beautiful skies and a nice kind of Fallout style wasteland aesthetic. Mm. Uh, which is it was been, weird because it actually prefigured a lot of the, because a, a yeah. lot of the, a lot of the detail we get in game worlds today is what Rage was doing seven years ago. Yeah. Right? But because every little bit was completely kind of, authored specifically for that area it was a uh, mega textures and yeah. artists would have like total it wasn't just like dragging and dropping objects it was like you texture everything uh according to the lighting of the scene and stuff like that so it looks mm. pretty amazing once the, the textures even today once the textures actually loaded in and it's, it's done its stuff um the towns are just really beautiful and yeah. um it, it suffers because loads of games since have happened to have done that same aesthetic that exact same aesthetic over and over again so it feels kind of stale and that's the problem that rage 2 is going to have as well because now we're in kind of presumably or is it, or is it definitely um avalanche's engine which is mm. a typical kind of open world kind of identical assets kind of placed down because you know because you you know you're streaming but it is a first person shooter right it is a first person shooter yeah and it's interesting it looks like it's going to have a crisis style special powers in terms of like a super jump and you get double jump which looks a lot like doom actually uh the 2016 doom reboot and just crazy weapons that you can overcharge to do stuff like uh there's it shows a machine gun shooting a bandit into the air and just kind of like juggling them endlessly away from you in a very arcadey sort of way so it's it's definitely not going for a kind of hyper-realistic like the other thing it looks like which is Bulletstorm Mm. yes right (laughs) yeah yeah for sure yeah it's got that kind of it's like it's like there's a there's a lineage of first person shooters that look a bit like 2000 AD comics Mm. basically and it's in that kind of spectra of like weird punks with bits that fall off when you shoot them but i really like i i think the thing that that caught my attention that i wasn't expecting them to have done well even though it's obviously just a trailer so i don't know um it's that sense of you know when kids are bored and they do really dumb things and end up hurting themselves because they've like just mm. challenged each other to jump over a big rock and eventually one of them's fallen over yeah like the premise it, of jackass but yeah it, and it kind of just had that you know, mm. that, that real sort of idiotic, like, what are you doing? But it's clearly passing the time and it's just silly and, you know, like, mm. I, I think there was a kind of, that was something that didn't come through until that, that trailer, I think. And that, mm. that's something that appeals. So if mm. they can keep that going in the actual game, I think I'd be more interested for sure. Mm. I love the idea of, uh, a, f- a fun shooter that's actually linked together by driving sections that are fun kind of combat Mad Max style things as well which just cause developers avalanche could definitely do well did you play Mad Max much? I did yeah and actually the, the vehicle combat is like the highlight of that uh, second perhaps just to the beautiful deserts they can do like it's a really good fit uh, for the type of thing they're trying to do the idea of actually driving between first person shooter encounters in crazy kind of war cars that you get into fights with uh, rather, in Far Cry you just sort of drive along and some people arbitrarily shoot you. Uh, a, a tiger tries to attack your tires, and then you just carry like drive on, and it's just pointless. Yeah, so, so drivers find one hundred meters. You shoot someone that you want to loot, so mm. you get out, and then you get back in the car, drive another hundred meters. Yeah, but if that was like a whole combat game into itself, that's actually a really cool idea. Mm. Uh, I'm kind of 
I can see a good version of this game in my head, if you know what I mean. Like, that, that trailer showed me enough to, like, a Borderlands style thing with really, really cool guns and superpowers and crazy vehicle combat. It could be rad. And actually, Far Cry, frankly, needs some competition because it's really getting samey now, Far Cry. Uh, it's just been doing mm. the same thing over and over and over again. And, and for, if Bethesda can come in and, and challenge them with it, something new, that would be sweet. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'd be up for that. Tom Francis will lose his lose his shorts, lose his mind, lose his sugar, his sugar, lose his shorts. Then his mind. (laughs) I don't know. Poor Tom Francis. (laughs) But in that order, he's he's fine as he loses his shorts. (laughs) The rage rage two news hit him really hard. (laughs) (laughs) I just mean that, like, he's so into some of the elements of Far Cry that if it encourages them to do more of whatever it is that he likes. Towers, he might, I believe. It doesn't look like it's particularly full of um, stealth. But maybe they'll no. double down on that. Maybe that will be their point of difference, and then that's where Tom will will shine. Mm. I don't emerge. To be fair, yeah. trailers very rarely emphasize stealth. Like even the Far Cry trailers are like, "Oh shit, I'm riding a BMX up a like an evil villain's face or something." Right? I don't know. Like, that's <laughs> I don't exactly know where the sense was going. That's exactly my, what happened. My shorts have exploded. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what the losing shorts thing was. Was I think it blows because... socks off? But like, no, I think, I think it's something to do because... with Bart Simpson. Yeah, that'll be it. Eat my shorts. Yeah, but it's lose because I'm shorts. trying to like, <laughs> I'm trying to like, train myself out of using like words like crazy and things just mm. casually. And that was one where I was like, oh, I've put myself into a, an idiomatic cul-de-sac, <laughs> and I can't, I can't get out. It's it, I can't reverse. So Pip, come just... out of the cul-de-sac. <laughs> So yeah, that's that's what happened there. Sorry, everybody. But Tom, you've been playing Rage One inexplicably. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had to go back to Rage One to figure out why you'd want to resurrect it, really, or I do think anything that feels with it at explicable. all. Is it? <laughs> well, he's, he he watched the trailers for Rage Two, went back to Rage One. I mean, you know, that feels like a logical. I had turn a question. Of the question was, why did they do this? <laughs> and obviously, it's just IP they've got lying around, and might as well, I suppose. Uh, but the original game is kind of interesting for being kind of good but really fucking full of bullshit and just really hiding its qualities behind uh this for some reason it sort of wants to pretend to be an open world game and it's it's conception of an open world game is just corridors where nothing happens where you drive a buggy and nothing happens and and then you reach the first person shooter level they wanted to make and that's really fun and really good and it's just like a uh there's lots of fun things to kill um there's a the, you for some reason you're fighting british punks who are just like oi get out <laughs> i don't know why because everyone else is like american <laughs> uh but uh the the, the British punks have gone wrong and they've taken over like uh, most of the wasteland and they just have to be eradicated <laughs> in the world of rage. Uh, but it's, you've got these um, bizarre open world sections punctuated by decent first person shooter levels that are pretty linear. Uh, but then you've got all this kind of survival bullshit on top of it. So you're every single time you shoot uh, a British punk fan from the 1970s, you have you press E on their corpse to get scrap out of it. And then if you get enough scrap, you can make uh, you, you make special locks that get you into doors or you can sell them to a, a trader to to buy wing sticks and wing sticks with a brilliant weapon which is like a it's like a three-bladed boomerang that decapitates uh-huh. someone who comes back to you uh but sometimes they break and you have to pay 25 dollars in the post-apocalypse to get one replaced <laughs> and it's so it's, it's 
full of great weapons and really cool gadgets. Like you eventually get spider robots, you get shotguns that fire rockets, and you get um, like a minigun that spins up and creates like a ball of energy and hadoukens stuff in front of you. Uh, it's got it's full of really cool gadgets and stuff is fun to kill. But there's all this just kind of sort of survivalist nonsense around it. It's like, why do you care about crafting in this game if you want to be just shooting stuff up? It's quite early crafting times as well. It was, it? yeah. And I, I just felt I like... I like this, though, because I feel like if there's one thing that you expect punks to have, it's safety pins, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so it feels like you could legit loot them for that. Take yes. off all their little sort of points. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're, they're among like, the more loot, like, yeah. in, t- in pure <laughs> crafting terms, among the more lootable Loot- subcultures. Like, lootable subcultures. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll get safety pins and things. It's not like you're going to get, like, just Claire's accessories, you know, jewellery or yeah. something that you can't really repurpose for many things. And they're very low quality, Claire's stuff. <laughs> well, it depends what you've bought, I suppose. <laughs> but if you ever wanted to craft a bag to carry more stuff, like of the mods and rockers, you'd, you'd strip the rockers of yeah. leather jackets mm. and they're fashioned yeah. into... That's true. Yeah, cotton jackets aren't going to go far, but no, the leather no. one... <laughs> it will get... Yeah, so you, Winkle you're... pickers versus boots. <laughs> Yeah, you, you'd want to loot the boots so that you can boots on the ground, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's you, a war you'd out want there. the safety pins, but then, yeah, like if you if you want a summer wardrobe, you'd need to go to a different epoch. Yeah, I actually really want to play this game. <laughs> well, the, the post-apocalypse populated. Choose exclusively the subculture that you want to, British, to loot from. <laughs> British subcultures of the late mid to late twentieth century. Flower children would probably yeah. be yeah. thinking about the yeah, yeah, yeah. flowery death dresses. And it's like you yeah. can't go into the lightless undercave until you've looted six ravers for their body paint. <laughs> <laughs> their glow sticks. <laughs> you need to go into the dark caves. You need exactly. glow sticks. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so we've, you were saying, we've invented a better game now. Uh, yeah. But it's not. It's if not you're listening, Avalanche, <laughs> pick up the phone. We're here. He's getting like lots of lace from like New Romantics. Oh, God. <laughs> the Creighton Consultancy. That's yeah. what we are now. <laughs> Do you want to make a game that's just a streak of pure bullshit? <laughs> Come to the Creighton Consultancy. We've got you covered. <laughs> Nonsense ideas. We'll just keep talking. We'll take every idea you've got and make it stupider. <laughs> From bean to cup, it's fucking nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Um, but yeah, Rage, Rage is highly conventional in a way that subsequent games would invent. It's kind of strange how it tries a load of stuff that games that came after it would would pick up and run with, and like the, the Fallout RPGs and things like that. And it, it, it's 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 um. It came after Fallout 3, though, right? After Fallout 3. Yeah, by um, about three years. So, yeah, yeah, so... But it kind of... It actually kind of weirdly inherits, like, a load of stuff from, uh, like, late 2000s shooters. Like, uh, we were talking in Peace Game of Slack earlier about, like, uh, about resources, uh, resource systems in shooters and mm. Bioshock. Like, it gives you, like, loads of superpowers, but very limited ability to use them. You know, your EVE uh, kind of VAT is very small which is what powers your abilities um crisis which gave you like superpowers but then like a battery that ran out after half a second <laughs> so, you know, sorry you're not allowed to use those future either. critics will kind of draw this attention to this is the sort of like the early iphone era and its influence on fun design <laughs> yeah um and rage is like this in that it, it just 
wants to limit your fun all the time for no reason. It wants to make you pay for every wing, wing stick that you own, and it wants to only give you three of the cool bits of ammo that you want to put into your pistol to make that pistol fun. And it just seems like a... Why not let the player have the good things that you've made? Are you constantly having to go back to re, you know revisiting places to get stuff so you can... It's more that it creates an anxiety about using them. And the, um, this is just a problem. Like, I, I hoard ammo in games anyway. It's just mm. a kind of thing. But this game actively encourages it by saying, oh, there's a whole economy here and a whole kind of market system where you're, you want to sell scrap and buy bullets and craft things. And uh, it's a game that just completely doesn't need it because it could just be a shooter that's fun. Mm. And that's what I love about, like, Doom 2016 is that... Yeah, is it, it just is a shooter that's fun and it gives you all enough ammo to use all the things you want to use. And it's also an id game, right? Like, yeah, yeah. That, and, and Doom, what became Doom twenty sixteen apparently went through multiple. Rage had of a similar because uh, so when I went to the studio in presumably two thousand ten, two thousand nine, maybe hmm. they we went round the room where they were making Doom, the, like one of the previous incarnations, like. They'd switched off monitors and things so we couldn't really see what's happening, but like it was all, you're aware that this company, you were also aware that Rage had been through quite a convoluted time as well. And like, you know, you could see issues with it as well, you know, that mm. some of the ideas were a bit kind of high minded and, and the, the, you could see textures popping and that kind of thing. Mm. You wouldn't like, Maybe we wouldn't have got doomed that we got in the end without something like Rage coming out and maybe excising its yeah. need to try and make this kind of RPG vehicle mm. combat. It was quite chastening. Yeah. yeah. It feels like people didn't realize like the way you chase Half-Life 2, for example, at the peak of single player shooter design wasn't more crafting, more persistent world elements, like that kind of thing. It was actually just make a better shooter, basically, at mm. a fundamental level. Yeah. Which Rage almost is, it's just buried in all these other systems. Yeah, and it's it's frustrating because like those survival survivalist sort of systems work incredibly well in shooters like Stalker, where scarcity is used to great emotional effect and really mm. part of the atmosphere is part of the the whole the game's whole deal. And to see that just sort of like casually thrown into obviously put a lot of work to put into into Rage, but it's just to see it sort of slapped onto Rage as though it, that would work. <laughs> Uh, it just it just doesn't. I don't yeah, know. so it promises this kind of. I mean, it's, it's the A in Rage is literally a anarchy symbol, mm. right? Like it promises this kind of like free form release from other pressures, and then is like, well, you can only afford two boomerangs. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, sorry, <laughs> which is actually quite punk. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, so yeah, it's not very good, but. Um... <laughs> Hopefully the sequel will be better. <laughs> but it just seems like a totally different game to me. Yeah, like, totally. Yeah, it, it feels like, but it's it's kept some of the aesthetic though. Like it's, mm. it's weird how bizarre the enemies are in the original Rage. Like the stuff they yell at you is just totally weird. And uh, <laughs> uh, it's like when you die, they say, "Oh, I'll see you later, bub," and stuff like that. It's just like there's there is like a oh, cycle you want, I died. Like <laughs> 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 talk, talk to this corpse. That's just how crazy they are. Uh, the yeah, so it's got that sort of note of it, that kind of thing that would, Borderlands would go on to like bring out and make into its main theme whenever Borderlands one came out or two came out. I think it's I think Borderlands one predates Rage. Oh well, so and Rage really was just writing writing some coattails. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, uh, Fallout and, and Borderlands. Fallout and Borderlands. Yeah, Borderlands. Yeah, and then there's obviously a rumor that that's coming back soon. So we're back, everybody. It's yeah. the late, circles go round. It's round. the late noughties again. Yeah. The Mad Max post apocalypse is like. The, the least interesting futuristic fantasy to me, no. Like, yeah. I've, I've done it so many times in games. I know it's nice to render a desert, but I want a big cyberpunk city. Just give it to me. <laughs> yeah. Give it to me, right? Just 
I'd do honestly, it. I'd take more water worlds at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Oh, good. Pip. What? You've been playing a game from the distant past. Oh, well, I have, yes. Take us back well, 10 I mean, or 11 no, years. No, the future. It's the future. Take the 986. <laughs> yeah, take us back to... The back okay, or forward. Take us forward 21 years. To Bioshock. August 2007. Bioshock. Is that when it was? It's 2007, 2006, I think. Okay. I, I don't know. Seven. Seven. It was seven, seven. Yeah, seven. it was definitely seven. Cool. I remember where I was. I remember the electronics Not boutique. when you were, though. No. No. No, okay, I'll be quiet. I don't exist. <laughs> um, I, what? <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, as in brilliant that I now know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but uh, Bioshock is all right. <laughs> so Pip's been playing Bioshock for the first time, and you've managed to get through this decade without having it spoiled, so we all have to... I didn't know this earlier in that. <laughs> but I don't think I said anything too specific. I mean, it's fine. I wasn't listening. That's perfectly good. <laughs> um, no, it's it's because I, I don't remember things. So I've probably uh, right. had bits of it spoiled, but it's fine. Because I don't know what they were. Because, uh, again, didn't keep hold of that crucial information. Kept hold of all of the Sugar Babes lineups over time. And <laughs> our American contingent on that and then pointed out which ones also used to be in um atomic kitten anyway <laughs> um but not by a shock plot so yeah how are so you I've finding it? that it's uh it's interesting to play it after having played infinite because played I, infinite? I played infinite when that came out and so i sort of i you know i had i had thoughts about infinite but like i was missing the piece that that saw how much of it was an echo of that first game. Mm. Um, and so it's kind of interesting to see, I guess, the the pieces that they kept hold of that I, I wonder whether it's because they sort of thought that they were intrinsic to the Bioshock experience and that they just really didn't work by the time Infinite came around, right? Like, you know, scuffling around in bins to find, you know perfectly good packets of crisps you know (laughs) or like syringes of goodness knows what like you just put your hand in a bin and it's a total lottery it's like it's like one of those lucky dips at the at the at a village fate and uh, i mean but not a good one (laughs) crisps or syringes a bit terrifying um but yeah and it's just such a kind of an odd experience and quite confusing i'm assuming that the hint system got added in the remastered um i think there was, a, there was an arrow there was an arrow telling you that but in the in the version that i'm playing which is the remastered one you can if you get hopelessly confused you can actually just press h and it's like you're supposed to be doing this right now okay yeah so things like i think i would have found fort frolic absolutely insufferable um i do yeah i remember the level design was the thing yeah because like it it felt like it was doing that thing where you go to maybe all of the different arms of a hub yeah and you know fulfill the tasks therein why am i being spoiler conscious it's a game that's a billion years old and i seem to be the only person that hasn't played it but anyway um so it feels like it's a hub that you sort of follow the different arms of to get each of the different segments but like i was wandering around for ages 
before I brought up a hint and it was like, oh, you, you basically need to go back to the exact same place that you were, but there's another bit of it that you can access. And it was like, hmm. really? Like, that's not intuitive. And so it felt like... It feels like a sort of a linear corridor shooter, but... But then you suddenly yeah. get to all of these rambling yeah. sort of areas that... They, I mean, obviously, like, I, I can see where they were going with it, but it feels like either the conventions hadn't quite solidified <coughs> in the way that that you would then go on to, to follow, if you see what I mean. But I don't think that can be true, because that's a, 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 a feeling of level design, that hub with arms thing is, is a feeling that, it, you know, I remember it from things like ocarina of time or yeah. whatever like it's not it's somewhere between traditional system shock and zelda dungeon was exactly the analogy i was going to use mm. but anyway so there's things like that which are kind of interesting and then there's also the other thing that um tom and i were talking about which was about how stingy it is with some of the resources it feels mm. really off in some places um so I've generally, like, I, I always run out of Eve, which means that you can't use the plasmids, like, nearly as much as you would like to. Mm. Experimenting with them is slightly too expensive. Yeah, than, yeah sure. You know, than you can really be bothered with. And, like, it, it has this system where you take photos of things to, like, learn about the enemy types and uh, then it gives you information about what um, is good against them in terms of, you know, what you have at your disposal in terms of ammo and different types of stuff but then you never really have enough of that to use against them so it's always just well i mean i know that i don't know armor piercing rounds are really useful here don't have any of them mm. can't afford any can't find any so it will just be you know you'll have these three pistol bullets that I've found and then you'll have one blast of this static shock thing and then I'm just going to hit you with a wrench for a while <laughs> so yeah it's interesting because like I find that whole like legacy of design really really interesting because big part of Bioshock's structure from a resource point of view is pure uh RPG it's pure dungeon design basically and like and I'd say specifically it comes from a legacy of like uh, Ultima Underworld, um, more broadly, like the kind of fighting fantasy idea that you probably play through this dungeon a couple of times until you find the way of doing it right. Mm. So, you know, you're, you know, and it, that's completely at odds with Bioshock's sort of like narrative urge that you, it's an experience that you have once and you're told the story as you do it. Mm. But there's definitely a sense that it's, it's from that legacy. Cause it is, it's from the thief system shock, Ultima Underworld kind of looking glass kind of, you know, lineage that stretches all the way back to Dungeons and Dragons at some point. And a bunch of different games have kind of come up from different angles. And you've seen subsequently, it's really hard to go back to Bioshock after you play something like Dishonored, which has a much more interesting way of handling mana, for example, mm. where you have the kind of, uh, you know, it punishes you for spamming powers, but not for using them once and then letting it regenerate. That kind of thing is yeah. very clever. There's lots of, been lots of little incremental bits of like clever design around resource management and, and maintenance that, yeah. These games I think the subsequent games is like I think Tom pointed out earlier on about the crisis kind of you know like not letting you use your suit it's just, I think Bioshock came out of that same mindset of like can't give them too much can't mm. give them I think yeah. yeah Bioshock also sort of wanted to be a horror game as well yeah, yeah. and yeah. to really to create that you've got to feel like you to create that scarcity and that sense of desperation yeah. not quite having enough stuff but it just and having to quite improvise yeah. yeah yeah i think they were i think they're really nervous of just having the two hit like you know because i think that 
ideally all you do go around with is the is the shock power in your left hand mm. and then yeah. like your a retro, sort of a, yeah. retro yeah. shotgun well, and you thing. just do that over and over if, if it, it wasn't it starts off with this essentially it, it, it feels like it's making a promise or a statement of intent where it explicitly tells you use a combination of things mm. it says use the shock power and then use the wrench and that's a combo and it's your it's your staple which fine but like i was expecting it to then expect me to combo other things in a similar way and it seems to sort of have some of those leanings but then it never gives you the resources that would actually make that a reality it would it's always just far too time consuming and far too irritating to actually set up any interesting chain of events or different um you know mm. a cascade of power into um into weapon into thing mm-hmm. and also just the way that you switch between things is just a bit clunky and you know all of that kind of stuff and i yeah i think one of the things that i felt was that they seemed to still you know even i think i must be about three quarters of the way through they still don't feel like they've answered that question of like how to satisfactorily put tension in the game because it feels like they've sort of tried to do it with um scarcity of resources or with like some really punishing enemies that you sort of have to learn a bit better or whatever. But, um, and I don't know whether this is because I'm playing the newer version of it and whether it was true in the original, but I'm playing on, you know, the normal difficulty or whatever. And uh, if I get a big daddy down to like half health or something and it kills me, I would rather that it kill me without me using any um <laughs> like uh like health packs or anything to to continue being alive in that instance because all it does is it sends me back to one of those vita chambers or whatever mm. i come out and it's on the health that i left it with <laughs> yeah. so it's there is no sense in me using up my eve using up my health it makes more sense for me to die repeatedly in terms of the resources that it is so stingy with yeah that you know and that and things like that are a, a genuine sort of um experience breaker i guess like i just sort of got mm. so in that mode that i found that i wasn't really listening to the the audio and stuff it was more like when you've got a podcast on in the background and you realize you haven't heard a word that they've said for ages and you're kind of oh what's he banging on about now um and sort of zoning back in and out and i think at one point i just thought oh sod it and i just put on um uh my 2009 pop hits playlist (laughs) just Just as ken levine intended (laughs) (laughs) but like also we were having this conversation earlier so sorry for repeating myself tom but like it's the little fussy designer touches which just really made me laugh so there's this one bit where you i found um this will be spoilers sorry um but i've been rescuing the little sisters as they go along and i've just you know i've had an encounter with them where i found their little hidey hole where they've all been collecting i guess and then one of them leads you through to the next bit like after that once they've rescued you from something and there's this door that you encounter and you both go up to it and the main bit doesn't open but like a small like 
tiny girl-sized door opens just enough that she can just crawl through it. And then she's standing on the other side and the whole thing opens. And it's like, it's like there's a cat flap. And and that's not how people use cat flaps. If you and the cat want to go out, you just open the big door. You don't wait. You just you don't go. Well, after you, and and then just sort of while the cat is sitting on your front step, go right. And now I may leave. <laughs> but surely, if you're waiting for the cat to open the door for you, as you would in any first but person, the, the girl doesn't open the door. Right. She just goes through. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's like a Charlie Chaplin bit. Or something it's in my head. so weird. And also, why not make the door slightly taller? so the girl doesn't have to crawl through it why not this is the thing you have power over in the girl centric dormitory why would you not save the the animation bonnet so it's things like that that are just gradually like and and, you know the weird like environmental storytelling kind of moments (laughs) oh but it was so ahead of its time it was yeah when it was was mind blowing when it came out yeah. What do you think of uh, Rapture itself? Because I think that's what's really stayed with me about Bioshock is the kind of dripping claustrophobia of that place and how different it felt. I think I would not have got nearly as far without the setting. Mm-hmm. Like, I would have just got bored because it is just a rambly man talking about <laughs> rambly things who might also Look. be another rambly man. And um, it's, 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 yeah. it's uh, A rambly man <laughs> chooses. A rambly slave obeys. This is the thing. And it's like, but the rambly man chose to be really dull. So it's like, okay, fine. No gods, no kings, only rambly man. I know. <laughs> um, anyway, so, I, but it's gorgeous. And like, not it's quite sparse because obviously you you see that sort of and and a lot of games do it it, because it's so time consuming to make all of those individual assets right Mm. for a whole world it would just be just beyond what you could actually reasonably do but like um and so yeah i i'm really especially the um the uh water that you can see from inside Mm, every time you can see that i'm automatically just uh, overjoyed i guess because Mm. it's so different and it's so weird and it's uh, and you know you just see a a starfish on the window just having a nice time and you're (laughs) like oh great (laughs) you know good for you or like a shark will swim overhead while you're going through a tunnel and it's it's never not distractingly lovely Mm. i think um so yeah and there's so much attention to detail and i just yeah i do really like that and then but it's also weird to see that you know the the elements of just odd collectibles and things or you know weird things that that cropped up in infinite they make sense to me a lot more now in the context of Mm. oh i see you were aping what your previous game did and i I don't know really what the balance is there between like you know uh, trying to make a point with it versus sort of getting a bit caught up in your own mythology i feel like bioshock sort of didn't set out to be what it became 100 percent in terms of like it's like and i can't talk about some of this without um spoilers so i won't but like without you know bioshock it's remarkable in a lot of ways, from environmental storytelling to design to I'm shooting in a design. Place, if that helps. Mm, I can't. Yeah, I'll ask you after what okay. side of the thing. Is that like a, an apartment area? Uh, it's after 
I'm not going to remember this. Have you been to Hephaestus? Yeah, it's after that. Okay, so you have actually, I think, probably seen the big twist in Bioshock. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, so you have done the big twist in Bioshock. Okay, yeah. well. Like, everyone's the same person, and then there's that other guy, Fontaine, Frank Fontaine, Francis Fontaine. Everyone's Lulu. the same person. So, uh, Look, I wasn't really listening during You were listening to Pop Hits. <laughs> <laughs> Bioshock's so big moment came to be rotating. No, no, he trapped me in a really boring room with nothing to do. So I just sort of was wandering around in circles, playing, wandering around in circles. That was what I was doing. And he was still talking. So I was just like, okay, brilliant. Sure, fine. And then someone... <laughs> Amazing. Like, <laughs> oh my God, you managed to miss the twist. <laughs> Person. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> That's not Although sure? one person, is one person, the person is the same person. Yeah. yeah. So Atlas in, like, and like Bill or whatever his name was, <laughs> right? Bill, that favourite old Bill. Andrew, Andy. Andrew Ryan, Andrew Ryan, and Atlas. They're the same people. No. Okay, fine. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> what were you listening to during that scene? Um, Girls allowed? No. What was it? Podcast. No, I don't think it was Cher. It <laughs> definitely wasn't Cher. I don't think it was Cher. Who would it have been? It might have been Little Boots. Okay. <laughs> um, sorry, okay. if I fucked it. No, no, this is incredible. This is incredible. So, I did know you... there was a mini golf. <laughs> <laughs> the deadliest mini there golf. There was the right? mini golf as okay, well. I watched it up all, a lot of important facts. <laughs> Look, I watched a man play mini golf through a one, two, Three-way mirror or whatever it was. One three-way mirror. <laughs> I don't know. 123-way mirror. <laughs> Look, I watched the man play golf and he finally got a golf ball in the in the hole. So that was nice for him. But like, I might... Pip, Pip, Pip. <laughs> Does this phrase mean anything to you? Yeah. Would you kindly? That... Right, that's why I think everyone might have been the same person because he says, would you kindly? And then it like does a lot of flashbacks of like everybody saying, will you kindly? And I'm like, oh, brilliant, fine. They've all got the same like linguistic tick. They're probably the same. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. So good. This is incredible. This is amazing. Oh my God. (laughs) It's really hard. To pay attention. During share. Right, it was really boots. boring. It really lost me. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I hit him. <laughs> I think this is, this is like, I think, yeah. So the guy, who was I the guy you hit? I hit him with a golf club. Who businessman. The businessman. <laughs> Who's the businessman? Andrew Ryan? Yes. It was in his office. It was. Okay. Yeah. Who are you? In Bioshock. The lighthouse. <laughs> An ambulatory lighthouse. <laughs> there's always a man and there's always a fucking lighthouse that won't stop chasing him. <laughs> um, am I Andrew Ryan as well? Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. So Am I not also... Okay. <laughs> Hang on. I thought maybe I was brainwashed. I was brainwashed. That's why my plasmids have gone weird now. And I'm not allowed to just use them properly. Yeah. So how are you brainwashed? I don't know. Someone... He says yellow. And then I go weird. (laughs) (laughs) So... 
You're I right. I feel like I shouldn't have told there you. Is. I this. There is. Would, would you kindly pass me the bill? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've been messed up. No, no, no Alex is the one. <laughs> so, the, you know... Do you want this one? Spoilers for 2007's Bioshock, everybody. And also for me, who apparently <laughs> hasn't played it. So, you know how people are always saying, would you kindly? No. Now you'll see it. Oh, Twitter, I don't know. I thought I you think meant in Twitter general. Is, yeah, Twitter is more or less 70% formed of would you kindly jokes now. Yeah. Okay. Or has been. Well, all right then. Fine. So, Historically. Oh, I didn't get so that you, then. No. You, like, you were right on the right thread with there's a control phrase for you. Oh, I see. It's not yellow then. No. It's you <laughs> but why does yellow? Like, no, I don't remember yellow. 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 Oh, man, you're right. <laughs> yeah. It was like 1930s for YOLO. Exactly. He says you even live longer on weed. <laughs> <laughs> he says. That he says something about something being yellow, and then your maximum health goes down. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's might be true. at the time. Yeah, <laughs> it's gone onto the dark <laughs> mix. <laughs> and then you have to, you have to, <laughs> you have to loot Chris Martin, but there's just a single sad shirt. <laughs> Are you replaying our conversation in work today and trying to figure out like? what your clues should have been that I hadn't understood. No, what I've, what I've realised is that it would have been completely impossible to spoil Bioshock for you. It, <laughs> if I could have said anything and it would not have spoiled Bioshock for you. <laughs> Can we, let's just, let's, let's, let's explain the rest. Okay. okay. I think we should. So you, did you find the bit where there's like, you see like the kind of electric ghost of a showgirl that Andrew Ryan had a Jasmine. kid with? Yeah. 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 So... Andrew Ryan has like as a son who's also a clone of Andrew Ryan, I think. Oh, and like Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, he has a child called Cristiano Ronaldo. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Except in this case, your he name was is brought not... up into the bottom of the sea by as a plasmid or <laughs> yeah. slug. However, your name isn't uh, Cristiano Ronaldo; it's Jack Ryan. Um, oh yeah, no, that's ultimate... my name, Jack. Two thousand. Yes, exactly. I got a Shooter present on a plane. Yeah, yeah. Except Jack. the plane yeah. was fake. That's not true. That is true. Mm. <laughs> but though I saw the wreckage of it. Yeah, you think you did. But I So didn't. what happened is at the beginning so so um because Am I the lighthouse? No. So because <laughs> so you know Fontaine? No. So is he real? Is yes. he Andrew Ryan? No. Okay. He's Atlas. Atlas and Fontaine are the oh. same person. Oh that I did not get that. That is definitely and I thought he is Fontaine <laughs> So he steals Andrew Ryan's clone baby. Right? Because Andrew Ryan is the only person you can use the Vita Chambers, and therefore the only person who could kill Andrew Ryan is another Andrew Ryan. Because oh, they, I didn't get any. Yeah, of that. this is all in that scene. I and thought then, everyone was the same person. <laughs> like the, uh, yeah. Where do you go? But, but, but having learned that, where did you go? <laughs> all right, we're in this undersea city, and everyone's the same person. I thought Keep it was just nonsense. <laughs> 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 I mean, what was the fuss about? <laughs> 
And then it was just like, well, no, right. And then an alarm went off. <laughs> so I had other problems. So I didn't really process any of this. I was just like, I'm sure it'll make sense at some point. Someone will like, there'll be another audio diary or, cause, you know, it's probably fine. It's not finished the game yet. So, so when you drop out of that, when you drop out of that pipe, when you drop out of that pipe in the ceiling and there are all those photos of you, I think, and someone has oh, written, I don't would, think I've been there. That, this is prior to that. Oh, bit that's um, and, and the word, would you kindly is scrolled over them in blood. Oh, yeah, no, that's been on <laughs> Narrative. <laughs> There's been Sorry. a few of them. Although, you know, it's also a game where they just wrote whore on the wall. So bl- yeah. I was yeah. a bit like... It, well, I, they didn't have Twitter back then. So. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, oh, yeah, because this was the part where I had a conversation with Andy Kelly about how it would be great if there was a mod that could just input shares tweets on the walls instead. <laughs> which blood emoji. means that I wasn't getting the hundred percent of the meaning yeah. behind some of them. <laughs> this is wonderful this, this is, is absolutely wonderful so because what i was going to say is that bioshock had a sort of uh unplanned life as a sort of it's like the the game that launched a thousand blogs basically right yeah. like you know you're you're you know, I, in fact, in my old video game ramblings in this category as well, it's sort of like that thing of like, wow, games can be about games. The whole would you kindly twist, the whole point of it is like, jokes on you, player. You were a player of a video game this entire time doing what the objective man told you, which seems super pat now. It is. But at the time, we sort of like, games hadn't really done that. Yeah, because it's like telling you it, sort of, oh, okay. so you kind of think, making, <laughs> she's going to be disappointed, that's all it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's why Bioshock, one of the reasons it was because it's been so important. One of the reasons but I think... they did you know, it again in Infinite. Yeah. They but did, they, they did it, but they did it knowing. There was a, there was a, there's a knowing, like, like that's, and, you know, you played all the way to the end of Infinite, right? I think so, yeah. So the bit with the I Infinite mean, Lighthouse is where you go back to Rapture. That didn't... Do you? Yeah. yeah. Like, I thought you'd go back to, there's a crib and you give a baby whiskey. Is yeah. that a thing? <laughs> yeah. That's yes. the yellow. It's an episode of MTV's Cribs. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You give, you give, you, I don't think you give a baby whiskey. I feel like there was whiskey in the <laughs> That was That was the revelation <laughs> that you're the whiskey baby giver. <laughs> Just drunk babies. Everyone's a drunk baby. <laughs> and I got baptized. Yeah. I feel like that happened. To death. Yeah, quite oh, a lot. You got okay. yeah. too much. I do, what I if baptizing too much? <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, because it was that other guy, wasn't it? The um, Charlemagne or whatever his name Comstock. was. Comstock. Yeah. Yeah. Why do I remember this? I You're good know. at remembering I, names. Law, it's law. It just it sits in my brain. I mean, law he master. made me go around a thing, like a amusement park. He did, like, yeah. wooden trees. So the Bioshock series, such as it is a series, is about men. It's about, um, it's about bad men and their fun fairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. And bad Bioshock men, Two, bad men who are also you the and Bioshock their fanfares. Oh, okay. And Bioshock Two is well, the best Bioshock. Yeah, that's coming up that. next. But like, okay, so are you, oh, have, you've you've got the intention to, to play, play Bioshock Two. <laughs> you look so worried. Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> I was hoping that I like, you'd, you'd you'd never have to test my my statement. Well, no, as right as I am, so, you're going to be you're you're going to just going to think, oh no, I'm not going to know what's going on. It's fine, but like, okay, so why did anyone do any of these things in Bioshock? Like, why am I if I didn't crash my plane? Yeah, then why am I there? So you're there to kill Andrew Ryan? Who wants For to Fontaine. kill Andrew Ryan? Fontaine. 
Naughty Fontaine. But what does he do? So he can own, because <laughs> he can have fat Rapture and all the things. But isn't Rapture money. dead and empty and full of evil? But it's full of excellent slugs that give you magic slugs. powers. And that is the real capitalism. Yeah. Okay. Is your, is your mind blown? It's pretty well, much, look at it. It's really blown. <laughs> You're going to love the ending. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Just play on. Play on. Play on. (laughs) I liked mine better. (laughs) Yours has more magic to it, I've got to say. Mm. Mystery. Everyone's the same and the code word is yellow. (laughs) (laughs) So when you say yellow, does that mean everybody is is the same? And they were all yellow. Does it mean that you feed the babies whiskey? <laughs> Why did I kill the golf man? The golf man was Ryan. Andrew Ryan. Andrew Ryan. But why did I kill him? Because, because you were told to. Because he says, would you kindly kill him? And you can't stop yourself doing it because... But- Fontaine's controlling your Brian. <laughs> no. Your Andrew Brian. <laughs> then why does he... You Brianed him me- with a golf club. Yeah, why does he give his golf stick. Yeah. Because he, 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 uh. Oh, it's a fair call. Oh, God. So I'm just gonna, <laughs> oh man, this is, this is, you, oh, 2008 era <laughs> games are super meaningful time. Um, so. I'm so glad we came to the future. Yeah, indeed. Um, uh, hearing from me, not even a fetus yet on why, so Andrew Ryan sees the compromised dream, his, the, the impurity of failed objectivism. And decides he would rather be beaten to death with a golf club by his own clone son <laughs> than uh-huh. live in the ruins of the undersea fun fair he's made. <laughs> Do you see now? That is the plot. Yeah. That is the plot of Photoshop. That's, because as, that's as good as games get. It is, it, is, <laughs> it, is, it is. It is like we we dug into the past and we snatched a, basically a single moment from basically any Alan Moore comic and we drag it <laughs> into the noughties and we say. Here's a golf club. Beat your dad to death. I that's thought art. He'd gone weird. <laughs> well, I mean that's that that's probably true too. Like I thought he was the one that was telling me to kill him. He so was. So I did. <laughs> well, so it's more like so the whole. I thought maybe a slave he felt chooses. like he's peaked. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't get better than this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, pretty much. Yeah. Well, I think the idea is that he sort of um, proves you to be unworthy by dying. <laughs> what? <laughs> because you are a slave, you don't choose, you don't have choice, you're a free will man. Which right. is kind of against objectivism. Yeah, you're not like an unrun yeah. superhero. Just, yeah, just and I'm Drew you're Ryan. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what? yeah okay. two Iron Rands don't make it. Oh god, this is so good. This is, good. This is gold. <laughs> Why didn't we revisit Bioshock earlier? I, I love. There should you. have been a. You, you <laughs> should have made a, You should have made a series of let's play of this. I don't know how you emulate the whole listening to pop hits while mm. the most important moment in games played out. <laughs> Because I missed it. I just, I just assumed. I'm sure they'll catch me up later. I just thought it would start making sense again eventually. (laughs) That's why. That's why you don't put little boots on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Little boots on the ground. (laughs) 
Oh man, that is so good. Because I, <laughs> I was joking around it because I just assumed you hadn't gotten to the twist in Bioshock yet. Turned out. <laughs> <laughs> and then some. Wow. Oh well. <laughs> oh. Alex. Hi. You've been playing a game. I, yeah. I was going to say. Are you sure though? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, I was going to say, uh, I've been playing, um, Thief as a connected thing. Oh, didn't But you? I'm not really ready to know the, 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 the first. Ah, Thief one. Um, because I was inspired by, well, I noticed that, um, Robert Yang has been doing a, a Let's Play series of it at the moment where he talks about the level design and things. And I've been trying to play Thief for several years and I play, Two levels and then get distracted by some not as good kind of flashier game that kind mm. of pops up. Um, and I've, I've kind of gone back to it again and been playing. I, but I'm not quite ready to talk about it because I'm only, I don't know, six missions in. Are you going to check that you've understood the main plot points before you know. mention it on I a I tell podcast. you what though, I think that it probably holds up. Like if you talk about time versus kind of holding upness on kind of like Hold a upitude. general, yeah, it really still holds up. Like when it, was it? Was it two thousand and nine? I think oh, it was nineteen ninety eight or ninety eight. And it's like still good. Still yeah. feels really ambitious as well, you know, because mm. it's these great big sprawling missions. But I, I don't want to really talk about too too much because I want to talk about it when I've played a bit more. What I want to talk about tonight is uh, a really weird game called The Quiet Sleep, um, which is by a developer called Nickel Murphy. Um, And it is really very odd and incredibly ugly looking. Um, But it's... I'm going to list a load of games that it definitely plays on, and it is also nothing like them. It is very much... It plays like The Settlers. It plays like The Sims. It plays a bit like Fallen London. <laughs> it plays uh a bit like um ooh, what's that? Um uh I'm probably coming it's a really odd game where you play your own emotions, you play your brain, you play in your brain. Um and um it consists of three stories. Uh um and it's basically a storytelling game, but you're fundamentally <coughs> playing kind of thought processes <laughs> and this kind of story emerges from these thought processes and the first story um you are a person and you have moved from your home to a city and the first things you do is to kind of you have to get a job and you have to find your way around the city you have to just kind of discover the place around there in order to do all these things you establish um a kind of a, a resource point so you stick on this like this hex grid and you put down a hex and then you invest will points into that hex and then it grows up and then you invest energy into this so that's kind of like the settlers thing you're kind of diverting kind of resource resources to a building fundamentally but that building is like things like um your curiosity i can't remember all the terms but like your curiosity you then which then generates once it's built a resource that you can use to find out about the city um you build a work ethic uh, with your will points and your energy points <laughs> and that allows you to get a job and a job then allows you to earn money and then you get a house and suddenly periodically the house asks you to to put money into it so you've got to periodically go back to earn more mm. money into all, all these little housey hexes on this board it's really ugly it's kind of it's kind of it's sort of 
but the moment it kind of sort of popped for me is this sort of time where suddenly uh like um occasionally at points um these negative emotions these emotion points suddenly pop up as a result of what you're doing and i'd got a job and i experienced casual racism like this is this this emotion suddenly popped up and it was related to something i'd experienced at, at work and um this thing then started feeding back resources back through which were making a beeline for kind of like a cortex which is in the top left corner um, and if they can get, if these negative things, uh, frustration, fear, anger, um, got to the cerebral cortex, like lots of parts of your brain shut down for a little while and you have to play this sort of like mini, minor mini game to get, get, get control back. Um, and it's kind of like, uh, that's the point where you've realized you have to build up these kind of things that relate, like stop bad negative emotions from affecting you so there's one uh drawing painting is one of them so you can sort of put resource points energy points into painting and then they'll absorb negative emotions there are others as well um there's one uh, for going for a nice walk where <laughs> you put energy into going for a nice walk and that deals with certain things can you build wanking I wish you could. Oh my god! The, but you could, it could, the framework could definitely do it. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> oh, for goodness sake! <laughs> but then, um, as you play through more and more, kind of like you eventually unlock you, 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 you want to go on dates. Like it's not it's gender unspecific, so kind of you just go on dates, and that resort you have to kind of uh, put lots of uh, um, resources into kind of meeting people which then creates kind of caution um areas of emotions which start feeding back through and fears and that mm. kind of thing went both through and it's all kind of the things that relate to so it's kind of like an al- almost a simulation of a of a person um it's making a system out of human experience um but it doesn't it's lighter than that because it actually wants to tell you a story with this stuff so actually mm, it's in the same way that like a an author kind of systematizes kind of human experience when you tell a story because yeah. you're kind of yeah. simulating it and then when you read it you kind of it's it's that kind of thing it's not it doesn't feel like an engineered human that it's trying to do it's not mm. trying to kind of sort of create you know kind of an, an engineered version of what it is to be human but um because in this the story actually sort of opens up and you end up realizing that the 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 person the character that you're playing um is is not all you thought they were they're not just a, they're actually from another country and they're spying on people here which then kind of then you're suddenly realizing there's these flavor text moments where you sort of slowly piece together what's happening and and like by the end of it you're managing this enormous system you're trying to you're trying to keep your um uh, enough money to keep paying your rent because as soon as you can't pay your rent that's fucking sort of piling loads of negative stuff back um you're trying to keep your relation sustain your relationship you're trying to afford a ring to get married and you're also spying on somebody that's close to you and that is leading on to other things and and kind of like sort of Mm. a lot of things you're trying to do you run out of time on it's there are two other stories which um which which i haven't played yet uh, one of which is about uh, a painter someone who's trying to make art and in this one the emotions are much more important where you kind of use 
emotional kind of responses to things in order to, to, to generate inspiration and things. Um, and there's one where you enter a relationship with an AI and they're apparently the kind of, there's two sides. I'm not really sure how it works that one, but, but it plays around with this formula. It's really odd and interesting. And I've never really played a story game, a narrative based game like it. Mm. So there's a bit of, there's almost a, like there's tower defense elements to it, which is apparently where the game, the concept started. You can see kind of, a lot of concepts in the game came from sort of lots of disparate genres and sometimes mm. they struggle. So there's a few of the metaphors in the game are a bit odd when you, when you re- invest resources into, you know, like a sort of an endeavor to, to take, to go for a date. It talk, talks about establishing a train, which is gathering these different points of resources coming from all of these different hexes, buildings across the thing. But like, I don't really associate trains with the human <coughs> psyche so much, but, um, no. but it's, it's, it's weird and flawed and very individual and, um, super interesting. And also the other thing I was going to mention is, um, so the guy who made it, um, uh, Nikhil is, um, lives in Bangalore and there are aspects of the first story that like are definitely not a pure Western experience. Mm. So this person has come to this country and becomes a cab driver, for instance, which I think like, isn't a common thing for a young person to do, you know, who, you know, sort of, you know, come into a country. So there's sort of like little flashes of kind of cultural specificity to it, which are really interesting too. So, yeah, I recommend it. I'm not quite sure how much it costs, but, um, and it really will put you off if you ever see it. <laughs> yeah. And it also won't make any sense if you see it, mm. but you kind of, it's one of those games where you start to play it and that you follow the tutorial and you think, I have no idea how this works. And then it's suddenly ping and it's, um, it's good. From you talking about it, it sounds like one of those really intricate, um, uh, board games that I used mm-hmm. to play, like Power Grid or so. Not Power Grid is actually not that intricate, but it's like, you know, lots of different interacting systems that yeah. simulate a thing kind of, but like, yeah. And, and you, you get to grips with it only sort of after a few turns and then you see what it's trying to do. And, but every photo won't take uh, any of that and translate it to anything. Yeah, <laughs> it will just, it will still just look like stuff that you've plonked down, it's a load like of abstract, bits. you know, counters and things like that. Like, and you're like, yeah, but this is my whole empire. <laughs> and you're like, well, <laughs> well, it's like, you know, how that thing you, you're playing SimCity and your city is kind of like because you've been, work, you know, you've been playing it sort of really intensively for a few hours mm. and you know where everything in the city is. And then maybe you go on holiday or maybe you just don't pick it up for a, a year or something and you go back to that save game and you, what is going <laughs> Why on? Is where bad? is everything and what? So I, I think, yeah. And, um, is it, there's a bit of Galcon to it as well because mm. you're kind of dealing with sort of, flowing stuff from here that part of the, the sort of space to another bit of the space and how does it give you bits of flavor text that give you the context when you um well, you can click on any of the hexes buildings fundamentally and it'll tell you kind of um what's that what what in what what kind of led to that building appearings mm. or so there's a the spy one you know you click on it and it's those little flavor text which is kind of broad enough as so i say to sort of like you know uh um she's just a teacher you know i can't remember the exact wording it's like she's just a teacher isn't she or is there something more to her you know and you know 
And then later on, like, and there's a development in the story which kind of continues that. But again, you're, you're still playing fundamentally what you're playing is a game where of, of, of concentration where you're trying to build on like what become very complex kind of in building projects while also making sure these sort of negative emotions don't. So you're kind of keeping, Oh shit, I've got too many things going on and now I can't feed enough stuff into my, uh, defenses, which are my art making. I'm not, mm. which is fundamentally like in your life, you're not doing enough art because you are too constant. You're concentrating too much on your work or you weren't working enough because <clears throat> you were doing something else in your life and you're, mm. Your kind of own player kind of concentration and attention span is kind of, you know, is the problem. It sort of quite naturally scales like that. How reactive is it? Like if you mess up, does the story actually change or is it more that there's fail states? That's a, yeah, that's a good question. No, because um, there are some story critical bits where you only have one, there's a time limit on it and you only have one go at doing it. With the date... Um, you could do it multiple times and I found that I didn't have time the first few times because I'd built things too far away from each other. So I was just watching the resources kind of crossing the whole space, going to, you know, one side and then going back to the other. Mm. And, and the, the time account ticked down before, you know, so you have to be quite careful with placement. And, um, the time limits haven't been too stringent. But then if you, if a negative emotion goes through, um, you m- might well mess up because now suddenly a load of resources aren't being generated by emotional centers that, you know, that got, got shut down by the, you feel over, overwrought by, by whatever trauma you That's experience. interesting. The other yeah, game it reminded me of was, um, people talking about Disco Elysium. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about that. Yeah. Like different traits or like, but it, it, it seems to play in a very different way with that idea of, you being composed of these different elements yeah. rather than being a, a, you know, a monolith, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. That's really, that's really, I hadn't thought about it. And it's absolutely, that's actually true. Yeah. Like, um, and it's interesting that people are finding, like, so interesting. We've been talking about Bioshock, which is held up as this sort of, you know, exemplar for sort of video game storytelling and what games could do. And all it really did was make a comment about what games are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and then today, quietly, games are actually being able to kind of use systems to do quite subtle things, things that board games have been doing, you know, since mm. forever. But, but finally sort of games have managed to find sort of like real time kind of ways of expressing it. I love that. It's like you're talking about this really subtle experience that I was essentially playing. Stop hitting yourself. The game. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, I mean, it's sort of like Bioshock's about, you know, oh, that, that sort of Bioshock thing was about like how much agency you're actually giving up when you play a game, even though you feel like you've got all the agency in the world. Right. And it's because players get very sensitive about giving up agency rather than something that, as soon as you're asked to do it in the game, except in the right context, like it has to be contextualized very carefully. Yeah. The illusion that I'm in control has to be maintained very carefully. And there's a million different philosophies when it comes to that. Like the sort of naughty dog philosophy of it will feel so good to be on the, on the deterministic path that you will convince yourself that you are choosing the particular way in which Nathan Drake falls down this hill or whatever. Right. Mm. Um, but I quite like that that a lot of the, the the core assumption to a lot of those experiences including Bioshock was that you the player are kind of like one singular 
entity, right? And and the thing that links seems to link this game to Disco Elysium, to Fallen London, and a bunch of yeah. games that have entertained some of the same ideas. To Tides of Numenera, which very much entertains the same idea, is that it's more interesting to think of the player character as a lot of different people, all with yeah. different needs. And you the, you, the player, only control some of them, some of the time, and the rest of them can kind of show up to bully you, which is exactly what happens in Disco Elysium. Yeah. Really spectacularly. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like, it's sort of, they're all making comments on, you know, even within yourself, you know, all that in control. No, know. and you know, also not all that singular. Yeah. Which yeah. is maybe the most important thing. Yeah. Like you're always playing co- co-op with your need to go for a wee. Yeah. Oh, and, and the kind of like the, the, the story, like, you know, this is a really scripted game, you know. Um, but when you fail in general, it's because you, you messed up, like you were doing, trying to do too much and mm. didn't take your time. So yeah, the quiet sleep. Hmm. I don't know why it's called that. Maybe that will be your your revelation at the yeah. end of the third story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we just took a completely seamless break, and during that completely seamless break, uh, we discovered what it was Pip was listening to. <laughs> well, uh, Ryan, Ryan Gosling, Ryan Gosling. Andrew Ryan Gosling <laughs> was beaten to death with a golf club. It was um, My Life Would Suck Without You by Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so poignant. Just mm-hmm. it. Exactly what Ken intended. <laughs> Kenneth. Kenneth. What <laughs> was the frequency? 94.3. That is such a fucking nested nerd apocalypse of a joke. Deus Ex via REM and Bioshock. Good work, everybody. So, Thief has... 451 0451 it's in um, it's one of the codes for the warehouses in about the 6th level mm. 102.8 was my home like town I, I think it was like in Victor <laughs> FM and welcome back to another episode of Numbers We've Loved mm. <laughs> <laughs> 089850 50 50 yeah mm. we should do some questions because that is what we do at this point in the podcast. I'm stalling because while setting up this and doing things, I, uh, I, I lost the questions. They were on my phone and now they're back. Thanks for helping through that, everybody. <laughs> Happy <laughs> to. He just sort of smiled at me while I floundered for my phone. You uh, seem to have it under control. I thought we were just chatting. <laughs> <laughs> There's been microphones here the entire time, Pip. No, I mean, but I, I wasn't aware that anything untoward was happening <laughs> while Alex smiled encouragingly across the That's table. Right. That's right, Chris. You're doing really well. That's what I was doing. That was the help I was doing I with the smile. quite supportive to everyone else. Yeah. I, I rely Not heavily me. on Alex. <laughs> you bring it upon yourself, Pip. This is most upsetting. I'm only here because you emotionally blackmailed me into being on the podcast. <laughs> Let's not do this here, not in front of the kids. Come on. <laughs> Our first question, which is not really a question, it's just a fun story. Uh, comes from an angry barnacle who writes, so this is not really a question, instead a very amusing anecdote follows. Listening to the old podcast again, he's referring to the old PC Gamer podcast. Uh, and I made it to the questions in episode 28. Minutes earlier, I'd been wondering when the first appearance of Tom Senior would occur. Then a question from a certain Thomas Senior gets read out on Twitter. Different person entirely. As it was in those days, (laughs) mid-2009. This is followed by a question from one Phil Savage. 
As if it wasn't enough to sign things to come, the conversation is about the forthcoming hats in Team Fortress 2. Ross Atherton point proclaims that instead of the football helmet the Heavy was set to receive, he should get a fez, as everyone looks good in a fez. As it would be, the Heavy would eventually get his fez. So would the next Doctor, and a game named after the hat would make shockwaves in the indie scene. This two to three minute period of one podcast episode was extremely prophetic, and I would venture to say altered the course of this reality's timeline. That's from Anne Angry Barnacle. I can tell you also that right at this very moment, what we are recording it in right now, yeah, Ross right Atherton, now in 1986, Ross Atherton <laughs> is in Bath right now. Good because he lives in northern France. He does. He works for Blizzard. Blizzard, but he's in Bath right now. Incredible. Yeah, you know, I've never met Ross. You know, have you, did you meet Ross? Uh, never in a professional context. So I went to the one of before the weekend. There was a PC PC gamer show that was done once and never again. And uh, <laughs> I went along to that and uh, met Ross briefly there. But no, yeah, n- never actually worked alongside. That was your anymore. that's your PC gamer origin story, isn't it, Tom? Pretty much, yeah. Um, I mean, actually, like Ross published um, a kind of used to have like reader writer reader pages where you'd submit like a reader review and it would get published. And I got an, uh, like a piece about Empire published there. And I was like, yeah. It's the best thing ever. And then kept on submitting. And that's how eventually I got to work for PC Gamer. So that question <laughs> from Thomas Senior was not you. Uh, however, that was an imposter. Uh, no, that was me. That was <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember that, what the question was? I don't, I don't remember it, but I, I do. I, I would submit questions to the old PC Gamer podcast, which I enjoyed a lot. I never thought I'd get to be on it. <laughs> Let alone succeed it. And then <laughs> <Yeah>. destroy it. <laughs> consume it. <laughs> consume it and move on. I really like the idea that you just started writing reader reviews. And then at some point they were just like... Is he staff? <laughs> <laughs> he just moved in. That's what you got to do. There was a certain very stealthy. There's a certain period of time where if you simply refuse to leave the office, <laughs> you just get hired eventually. Yeah. That's how I got in. Didn't leave, and then I did leave, and now I'm here at home. Our next question. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering whether I needed to kind of step in there because yeah. he's been moaning about us not stepping in. <laughs> Thanks for stepping in. Our next he question. loves it. He loves moaning about us not stepping in. It's his bread and butter. I wish he'd stop, stop, stopping, stepping in. <laughs> Do you want us to help? No. Right. There you go. Next question comes from a uh, Discord regular whose name I can't pronounce. Velike. Velike. It's one of those, or it's neither of those. Um, he writes, "Oh, thanks, thanks." <laughs> this is good radio. <laughs> Hi, Quetzalcoatl and Tizcatlipoc. Oh, for fuck. <laughs> Why do you do this to me? <laughs> what is the silliest thing you've ever done in a game? And while doing it, did you have a moment of realisation and go, what am I doing? Thanks for reading, everybody. And that's from Who Knows. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say that my moments of realisation happen on this podcast. <laughs> And that nothing that I do feels like it's stupid right up until it's being observed. It's a kind of quantum thing, I think. And then, you know, the way that I play Dishonored, for example, I thought was completely normal right up until Chris is sat on the sofa next to me absolutely corpsing because he can't understand, you know, why I'm now, I don't know, stuck in a toaster or whatever it was. Why are all these corpses?
corpses being collected in the dentist's no, office. No, but there was that thing where I tried to use my power in a completely sensible way, like to get through a door, but I accidentally misjudged it and wanged myself right through like a paper window or something. I can't remember. Oh, that was very funny. And then like ended up in the bathroom with someone who wanted to kill me and then just ended up like doing circles around this apartment while I tried to remember what button I needed to press and mm. you just you couldn't breathe because you were laughing so hard and to me I'm just like <laughs> but that's just how we play video games yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like right what's going on in your safe you're playing what's it properly because I would have I would have done the awful I just just save scummed and I must admit <laughs> sort of playing thief I am save scumming and I really should be just letting <laughs> Disasters like that, pile up. <laughs> lately, I've been um, the answer for me is always going to be a Dota thing. But like lately, I've been playing Dota again with a friend Ben, who's a bit uh, earlier on his Dota journey um, than I am. It's a kind of way of putting it. <laughs> well, no, it's like everyone's a different. You know, it's like when you're talking about a he game, that takes, he's a Dota idiot. He's like he's like only a thousand hours in. <laughs> So <laughs> this young Padawan. Yeah, well, yeah. So there's like, to learn. but it's nice because it means I get to experience some things through his eyes, but also it is also starkly exposed. What a fucking weirdo I am. So like, I get quite loud when I play certain games and I know, I mean, I'm not necessarily like a loud, I think those are no moods that I'm not necessarily like an extremely loud person in other interactions. Probably talk too much, but not like a kind of screaming, shouting, whooping sort of person. <laughs> and yet in the video game Dota 2, I found myself playing our lunchtime game uh, the other day and um, I just started whooping, save the egg, save the egg, ah, really loudly. Um, and then uh, that saving the egg indeed actually turned that team fight and um, ultimately put us on a course to win the game. Uh, it was a correct strategic call. But afterwards, I just had this moment of realization, which is like, I was just screaming, save the egg. A fellow man in his thirties and media professional. <laughs> uh, but he did save the egg and I'll be grateful for him for that for at least a week. I played all of Ico, mm. uh, the PS2 game classic. Um, not knowing that you could pull the ethereal girl Yorda, um, out of the holes the nasty dark creatures pull them into, pull her into. I didn't know you could, I never thought, even though your single interaction with her is to be able to hold her hand and pull her places. It never occurred to me to try to pull her out of the holes. <laughs> she, she's dead now. She's, she's so I would play her. each encounter and every time there are any creatures, I would start this just sort of attempts to beat them without them going near her. <laughs> and the game was incredibly hard as a result. I finished it. And then soon afterwards I realised that there was this whole thing pulling her out that I realised I could have gotten away with it. Oh my god. Wow. I was not proud. It's not like it was it wasn't the sort of video game feat that I could be proud of. I couldn't have made a video and thought and people would have thought, Oh, what a what a pro player. Imagine if you pitched the article of like why Ico is the dark soul. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and everyone, all of the comments are just oh. more like more like dark holes. <laughs> <laughs> What's her name again? Then? Yorda. Yorda. <laughs> they needed a clear animation to express that you could do that. A hold tell Yorda, if you will. No. Oh, no. <laughs> Denied. <laughs> My ridiculous moment involves a peripheral. Uh, like this. <laughs> oh, no. oh, come on. 
let's not all be children because of uh, time oh, travel. I'm giving myself a frontal lobe headache. <laughs> Rocking backwards too quickly. Come on! <laughs> uh, it, was, um, it was a racing wheel and <laughs> some pedals. <laughs> and a uh, racy wheel. A racy <laughs> wheel. It was motorised if you plugged it into the the, the mains. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> which meant that it rumbled. And, oh. <laughs> and often in like, the lap. It's great. Did you hold it in your lap or, or uh, no? No. So I on a table. I, I had my like. Did knee. you rest it on a table? <laughs> It was it was nailed. <laughs> it throb upon your lap. Uh, it was it was clamped <laughs> to uh, to my old student kind of desk. Your old student. <laughs> and uh, this this desk was like a, a rattly uh, IKEA. I'll IKEA. take your oldest student. <laughs> oh. Uh, it was a, it was a, a rattly old uh, MDF desk made of the dream of what a desk might be one day. Uh, so you, you can't be on it. Had like um, it would rumble like fuck every time you went like went into the, the gravel in the game or just turned too hard. And it was trying to resist you like turning as though to like try and realistically simulate uh, what what happens with wheels. I don't know anything about. It. I don't know <laughs> what happens with anything. I love this cars. running theme. I didn't know that if you turn if you turn a wheel in a car. The wheel fights you and vibrates and tries to get off your desk. Like, is that what driving is like? That's uh, no. what I thought. Uh, so I was there, and it, it was the loudest thing ever. Because it was like this. This it almost fucked up my desk completely because it was just rattling endlessly every time I was trying to drive. And I had at some moment real, realization. It's like Tom, you can't drive. You literally have no like basis of understanding at all for what you're trying to do. Like, I had no idea how to be good at it, and also you're ruining your shit. By uh, trying to make this thing work, and uh, so it's, uh, I put it in a box and never ever use it again. It's like it's a wasted purchase and a ridiculous moment in my life. <laughs> Should have, uh, shared with everyone on a podcast. That's good, isn't it? That's the miracle of this format. Uh, <coughs> we received a, a lovely email from Stephen um, about. Uh, you know, uh, I'm much appreciate this podcast. He also had a question, which we'll get to in a second. Um, and I realized, and, and part of his email, which was sent a few days before we had to skip a week for crazy kind of personal schedule, various reasons. Um, he said how much he appreciates it managing to do it every week. So, um, I wanted to apologize <laughs> for timing that break accidentally. Um, so perfectly, but hopefully, uh, hopefully you've, you know, happy to to have i don't know where i'm going with this we're back sorry <laughs> is what i was going at with it. sorry we're back steven's question <laughs> sorry we're back and sorry about this and steven's question is in goals fuck in games <laughs> <laughs> goals. Well, welcome to about? the football <laughs> you know my, football you, no one would believe this based on my sporting knowledge but do you know my first word was goal <laughs> Are Literally. you regressing? Oh no, you've just been Be born. born. <laughs> oh, welcome oh, to the world, Chris. Oh, goalie, goalie, Chris. It's because my granddad used to shout at the TV at, about <laughs> the football. At the football, that's excellent. And I thought that I thought that the word goal meant ball. So I used to have a toy ball. And when I wanted it, I would shout "Goal!" Um, because I thought I thought that my granddad was cheering for the ball that had succeeded in its quest to go into the big net, and therefore you would cheer the ball's name, "Goal." Um, 
That's the cutest thing in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my first sentence was goal gone, go get, which is also alliteration. Just saying. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) No one could see on the podcast how smug you look at that moment. Yeah, anyway. uh, So Stephen writes, not that, but this. In games with goal-oriented unlock systems, such as Into the Breach and some of the older Call of Duty games, do you prefer to focus on efficiency with unlocking new things, or do you find yourself finding that perfect mech squad for you and focusing on just that one? Do you try and make every attachment available for yourself on the off chance that you have a change of heart later with a weapon you hate? When an unlock list is complete, do you have a sudden feeling of fantastic, now I can enjoy the game? And that's from Stephen from Boise, Idaho, mm. place I've been to exactly once. Very nice. That's good. Mm. That's I also irrelevant. find that it's less about the game per se, but like I know how I tend to play games in general. So mm. I know that there are going to be some parts of a skill tree that I will never use, you know? Mm. Like, I mean, to take uh, Bioshock as an example, just because I know precisely not much about it but more than other things that i now can't remember that, that happened more than a day ago who is um, andrew ryan look let's not let, I, uh, he's a political editor for the bbc i think, <laughs> I think you're thinking of andrew garfield <laughs> anyway he's a cat yeah why are we talking about comedic um i think that so um obviously not obviously but at points it lets you upgrade weapons um and you get one use of the upgrade station and you pick a thing and i knew that pistol would be the thing that i was leaning on more and then you know sort of after that it would probably be shotgun and after that machine gun if you see what i mean and then from Mm. that point onwards it hands me an upgrade station and it's like do you know what any of them because it's not going to make a difference so i think it's more that i have a few things that i know that i will gravitate towards unless the shooting or the the you know, the polish just isn't there Mm. and the rest of them will just sort of be a bit of a jumble or will be, oh, okay, the game is heavily skewed towards this thing. So I will try and specialize in that a bit or like Mm. if I'm dying a lot, sure, whack some health in, whatever. I tend to experiment quite a lot until I find the one thing that feels great and then I keep on doing that. So in Assassin's Creed, I'd try all the weapons, but eventually in Assassin's Creed 2 anyway, I'll just throw a broad a double-handed sword at people and do that over and over again and that's how i played that game <laughs> and uh uh but i do appreciate games like god of war which isn't a pc game but it's, i fucking love um for just giving you an axe and making putting all the effort into making everything that axe does look and feel awesome and so you don't really it sort of takes the choice out of your hands you get to enjoy just sort of learning how to use this one thing instead of having to the stress of having to work it out for yourself in a way sometimes it's nice just to be given a fun thing and then let you just get on with using it mm. i definitely sympathize with the thing Stephen describes as the feeling of i've got everything finally the game can begin right i think uh, for me that's a sign that like a game's sort of internal sort of sense of priorities is gonna whack somewhere like i quite appreciate um i quite enjoy the feeling of knowing that the right thing to do is simply cobble together a solution that works now and not to worry about unlocks too much and um, i struggle to draw attention to exactly I feel like a big difference maker there is something like any multiplayer game. So it tends to be multiplayer games with unlocks are the ones where 
you get that feeling of like, oh, now I've got everything. I can start mm. learning the actual game. And that's one of the reasons I dislike leveling systems in multiplayer games so much. Mm. Um, there's only a handful of games I can think of that I've actually enjoyed despite them having some kind of unlock tree for mm. gear. Like Titanfall I enjoyed anyway, but like... It's you terrible know, for Battlefield. Is, like, the, yeah, the, well, terrible Battlefield. for Battlefield. It's, it's it's one of the reasons that I'm writing about this at the moment, which is why it's on my mind, but it's one of the reasons that I still rate Dota so highly because it gives you everything from the start and there's, and that's, it's unique in its genre in that regard. And that's like a big deal for me because that means that I feel like my learning is not going to waste. I feel very like I'll happily think thousands of hours into a game if I feel like every hour I'm investing is being invested, practicing with the tools that will actually still be useful in a bit. Mm-hmm. Whereas any uh, particularly competitive multiplayer game that starts you off with, starter gear obviously you're learning some techniques and things but it doesn't feel like you're kind of getting the whole experience the thing i would compare it to is like playing competitive board games with just the contents of the core set or something you know mm-hmm. what i mean where you find out that oh the competitive format has more stuff in it mm-hmm. like it's that kind of thing um single player games it bothers me less like in fact often having everything in a single player game is when i stop like BattleTech, mm. for example, I've gotten to the point with my BattleTech campaign. I've finished the main campaign, so I'm perfectly happy to get there. But I'm at the point now where it's like, yeah, I'm very powerful and I can mm. pick a tough mech fight if I want to have a tough mech fight, but there are no big robo men for me to conquer. <laughs> As Alexander the Great. Exactly. exactly. Is that why you think maybe, um, you have been able to do destiny 2 or to sort of play that and not be sort of annoyed by it because i i've had the opposite experience i hated going back down to that you know yeah i quite enjoyed character i quite enjoyed the climb again and also like um because i went back to destiny 2 recently for the latest expansion which you have as well tom actually yeah we didn't talk about that have we <laughs> no that um it's the game we forget that we we, we play yeah we did both <laughs> in this forget that we played warmind in short version oh yeah, it's definitely the yeah. Destiny always is at its lowest ebb before the big kind of mid-season the, expansion. The spring expansion is always the weakest one, but uh, no, it does kind of for me like ruin a lot of some of the best mm. lore in the game. That thing, just like uh, the, sort of the campaign, yeah, fight are terrible. We, we joked, I think it was on the podcast you and I did, Tom, yeah. that. Um, it's inexplicable to us that it would turn out that the best way to delivering Destiny's Law was actually on the back of out-of-game trading cards in mm. an app. But it's completely true. Mm. Like, the Warmind... Because I think the reason it's ended up as it is, is is those expansions have been farmed out to other developers, that they're not being made by Bungie. Right. Principally. Um, and that, unfortunately, seems to show in, mm. in that. So that's a shame. But... Um, but yeah, I haven't really minded the climb back with Destiny because I quite enjoyed the, the thing. And actually, they have made quite a lot of good changes to that game in terms of making those late game gear feel good and getting more stuff feel good. Mm. The fact they reworked all the exotics feels real nice. Because I think that, that model, like, cause, um, cause Diablo has always felt kind of as you build up that character, like the, the unlocks for any given class are the same as you go through, but then they're kind of spiced up by the, legendaries and whatever you pick up along the way so like builds kind of morph a little bit and become different as you on different playthroughs which is which is nice but like i think yeah the unlock for me is like the unlock structure is what pulls me through the game but it's not something i particularly don't want to max out stuff it's just the wish to try something new build upon what i was doing before Mm -hmm. you know learn another thing but not feeling overwhelmed at any point which is like 
the sweet spot, which often games err from but a little bit. But There was an interesting um, sort of, I don't think it will be entirely relevant maybe, but related. Um, Tom, do you remember a few weeks ago maybe one of the PC Gamer weekly questions was something about what a game's still doing that we wished that they'd stopped doing. Yeah. And I think, was it Tim Clark's answer was something like, um, or it might have been, I can't remember, but um, it was this idea of asking you to pick classes and specializations and things before you've mm. had a chance to really play mm. the thing. Yeah. And that stuck in my mind because it, it expressed a thing that I think I hadn't realized how annoyed I was or how lost I feel at the beginning of, say, a massive RPG and what a commitment it feels like to possibly screwing up within the first five minutes mm. and not finding mm. out for a long time. And I sort of was thinking it would be quite nice if those that form of unlocks you could either if you were confident enough in in yourself or in that genre or whatever to say i definitely want these things from the start but if you weren't maybe there would be an option to say i just want to play for two hours and then you tell me what i've been specializing in because Mm. Mm. i I don't have the information to make that decision specifically for your game Mm. right now. And so I think that would be a a nice thing to do because I think in some ways those unlock trees can commit you to sort of slightly jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none play styles Mm. because you weren't sure what you were getting into and, you know, you've accidentally put two points in something you you really don't care for but you can't rejig it or... yeah, it hamstrings you a little. I really like. I, I really, really like Diablo Three's way of doing it, yeah. which is just to give you every time you just learn every skill that you unlock, and yeah. at any time you just drag it into your taskbar and play with it and do whatever you want, and then build whatever you want out of the collection of skills. The and one, yeah, the one spell. thing is that you can't but like save builds. That's the one. Yeah, that's annoying. That should just bear. be in that game for sure. Yeah. Um, mm. But the limit, it limits it, the way it balances it is that you only have access to a certain number of skills at a time. But you can build that taskbar out of anything. Guild Wars 2 does this really well as yeah. well. Mm. That's the game I was going to bring up. That's yeah. a good example of this. Yeah. Because <clears throat> it feels more like rounding out a collection, but you don't need every part of that collection. To yeah. Be and, you, and you're yeah. totally free to just switch stuff in and have fun whenever you like, which is, I think, is that that feels like good modern design to me. It's not about mm. uh, trees that lock off entire avenues of the game, which yeah. is, sucks. Mm. Our final question of the week comes from tj or travis tj hooker if we're talking 1986 Mm. (laughs) tj house in this case so also an h but the different h and uh he writes um hello i've been playing the superb and exhausting beat saber (laughs) and it brought to mind (laughs) the following question (laughs) when we read this out we all got very excited about the uh slay the spire type uh euphemistic potential of the phrase beat saber and it only got more exciting with the following sentence what is your favorite mechanically irrelevant polishing touch (laughs) in a game and why is it melty lightsaber trails left on the environment oh really in the jedi in the jedi knight games those melty lightsaber trails like, it imagine a melty black trails. light in the 
Jedi Academy. Just like, oh. Well, that is it's a lot of adolescent Jedi. Not a Padawans. Padawan. No. Pad- <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, your, everybody, your favourite polishing It's your favourite polishing touch. <laughs> I feel traumatised by that question. That's so... Oh. Your favourite cheeky little detail. Your favourite... Oh, God, it, it's... There's menus, it's menus, nice, nice menus when you the, the transition from game to the menu. You have a whole not even on this, don't you, Frappy? I think they're probably <laughs> menus I've loved. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I can't think of any samples now. Because they've. That was such a good start and stop of an idea. Uh, <laughs> we're all very tired. Hmm, I'm trying to think. I kind of like, yeah, I like those moments in game, not design necessarily, but yeah, presentation where someone goes a little bit above and beyond on that final extra detail, like the melty lightsaber trail, which is a good example of this because it's in that category of like, you don't need to be able to draw on every surface with a lightsaber, but well, it wouldn't do better if you could. I remember there's, um, so, uh, in Wolfenstein 2, Mm. If you look at the, um, uh, there was sort of like kind of t- control consoles, Nazi control consoles, and they're all kind of got lights kind of bleeping around on them. And, you know, Doom time, they would have just been a lot of repeating kind of pattern sort of things cycling around. In this one, they've got like uh, those segmented kind of, um, num- you know, sort of digital kind of readouts. Mm. And the numbers go up like someone bothered to <laughs> actually sort of program (laughs) these animated kind of consoles totally utterly incidental and like and they just go up all the way i was just watching them for ages thinking this is the best thing in this game (laughs) (laughs) because it speaks to a general layer of polish that game Mm. has which is like above and beyond which is definitely like that studio's forte Mm. i like uh be able to see characters' breath in cold weather. That's always a sign that someone's really paying attention to the kind of In fact, all the Metal Gear stuff, like, uh, there's a lot of breath in Metal Gear. Yeah. And all the Metal Gear stuff. I know. So, for example, like, so I bring God of War up again. But uh, if you're in a cold place, uh, you can see Kratos, you know, the dragon breath of, you know, normal natural condensation. But you go to a realm where it's just poisonous smoke and the breath changes to be, like, as though he's exhaling that smoke from his lungs. Uh, so they've changed the colour of that and the animation of it and everything mm. just to reflect where he is. And that's just, that's above and beyond. That's the best. Cool. Mm. I think, for me, an interesting thing that has happened is um, having gone back quite as far in time as... You know, 1986. Uh, as well. <laughs> as Bioshock, it's interesting some of the things that are missing in that game that I didn't realise I'd grown accustomed to hmm. modern games doing. And I, I think one of the big things is the sheer repetition in that game of particular like musical notes or you know barks or you know the the noises that the machines make you know things mm. like that and and how that level of repetition is a lot less now um so you know the fact that people invest in slightly more varied dialogue in circus of value yes exactly that's that was what i was thinking (laughs) but you know there are other uh, there are a few others and there's particular musical note and 
the um interestingly the uh when you've hacked a drone to follow you it makes the noise pretty much the same sort of um mechanical buzz noise as junk rats um ultimate you know like the the <laughs> uh, spin tire thing <laughs> yeah um does in that and so i have that sort of inbuilt huh. <laughs> like there's a thing but like i'm gonna blow up basically but it's my my friend the drone mm. <laughs> um and the other thing in that game, which uh, Overwatch actually does do spectacularly well, is noise oh, what, occlusion. Um, mm. And so something that I'm really struggling with in terms of um, getting my bearings is in Bioshock, the game doesn't differentiate between a character or an NPC that is near you without a wall between you and a character that is near you with a wall between mm. you and so mm. i often think oh there's someone next to me or there's someone behind me or whatever and it's they're in a completely different room and they haven't got a sense of where i am but the game can't hasn't got an audio cue that will let me know or a, or a, um, an effect that it can add in that gives me a sense of they are sort of behind something and I'm protected. Oh, surprising. Because so. I think Thief does do... That's a, I think it is... You can tell when people aren't in the same room as huh. you but you can hear them. But yeah, like, because I'm, I'm really struggling with that because it's like everything could be Sunk. anywhere It's right next to you. Yeah. yeah um, and so that's a, a thing. It's more that I'm noticing other games excelling by the absence of things in in Bioshock and also just sort of, you know, how how storytelling has come on or how level design has come on or how, you know, you can see that things were influential and that at the, at the time they would have been hmm. probably, like, really interesting or good or at least, you know, average, right? They wouldn't have hmm. been, like, bad. Um, and then, or maybe not, I don't know, but... Um, so yeah, it's it's that thing of getting a bit of a not a privilege check, but a kind of oh, you know, the the things that I do now take for granted are levels of polish mm. in context, which is really interesting. Mm. I mean, not you know, funny, but <laughs> <laughs> we don't promise a laugh a minute. And to be honest, that's the most sober ending to a joke about wanking that we've ever had oh yeah i Sober really took wanking. the fun out of that one <laughs> <laughs> it's all right we needed a voice of steady reason i mean i could have tried to make a big daddy thing happen, i was about to I, I, oh, I, I almost said something worse so that's With, not like their helmets or no oh no is that a thing? oh no I don't think it is, no. I don't no. think it is. I don't think it is at all. I'm Randy. <laughs> no. 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 Still no. No. What was, what was it that you were? An ending is what's happening. An ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Was it the lighthouse? <laughs> lighthouse. There's always a man. And there is always a lighthouse. And he's always got his lighthouse. <laughs> yeah. What are we even talking about? Literally no idea. Oh God! I decided to come with the word. I'll tell you after. Um, if you'd like to send us a question for future episodes of the Crate and Crowbar, you can do so by emailing questions at crateandcrowbar dot com. You would can also you kindly. Would you kindly? <laughs> oh, topical, topical. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hmm. 
if, oh. if you would like to relive the experience of Yellow. listening to a video game podcast in 2007, why not tweet us on uh, brand new social media? Use platform. your engage. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Get all of us on your Blackberry. Yeah. BBM. Yeah. Direct Mozilla Firefox to twitter.com. Uh, and, and. Netscape. SMS at. Look, do you want me to end this podcast or what? I, I, I just want to relive Netscape. <laughs> Uh, it's we, best animation. Look, if you were, if you can remember Netscape, you weren't really there. <laughs> <laughs> but where wasn't I? Somewhere I can remember. What? What? <laughs> we're on Twitter. It's a train crowbar, obviously. <laughs> if you'd like crowbar, many places. There we go. Yes, Social shout outs done. Patreon, as ever, thank you for enabling this. If you choose to do so via Patreon, <laughs> if you'd like to find out more about doing that, or indeed cancel, you, can't you can get a refund, though. <laughs> you can do that at patreon.com forward slash create and crowbar. Your support is very much appreciated. Um, if you'd like to find our YouTube versions of our podcasts and other videos, including Bloodborne, which will be coming back. Yeah, sorry. It's going to happen. Um, you can find that at youtube.com forward slash create and crowbar. What am I missing? I don't think I am missing anything. Questions? I've already done that. Done that? Yeah, okay. if you'd like to follow us individually, I don't exist, but Pip can be found. I'm on Instagram at Philippa War, mm. which is P H I L I P P A W A W R. I'm not on Twitter at the moment, really. I'm mm. Neither am I, really. I'm, I'm semi on. <laughs> <laughs> We did it. We did it. R O T A T I O N A L. That's rotational on That's the Twitter. Windmilling, Alex. <laughs> Tom, uh, I'm at uh, PCG Ludo, and that's L E. Are you semi on it or fully? <laughs> fully on it, Alex. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's only been like a two-hour podcast. Has it? Yeah, it feels I a lot longer. Packed a lot in. <laughs> yeah, there's been yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well. Right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for listening, everybody. everybody.